What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for a brand new episode of your favorite podcast. This is The Threshing Floor, and we are on this side of Nationals. Nationals is in the rearview mirror, but before closing the chapter on that, we're just going to take some time on this episode, me and Brad. Yes, that's right, Brad, co-host, was able to make it to his first Nationals, so we're going to talk about that experience, talk about our collective experience at Nationals, kind of what we went through, what we experienced, all the good stuff that was Nationals 2023, and then on the backside of this, we've got an interview with teams winners, Mark and Jalissa Valake. We were planning on getting some other interviews from some winners. I know that in the future, we're at least going to make sure that we get the one with Brian Jones. He won two categories, but this just happened to be the busiest time of the year for him with students coming back to campus there at his school. So we weren't able to make the timing work for that, but look for that in a future episode, just kind of as a bonus at the backside. And other than that, we'll get right into it. Thanks for being here. All right, guys, welcome into a brand new episode of the Threshing Floor podcast. This is our first episode on this side of Nationals. We're here with Brad, co-host. How you doing, Brad? Feeling good tonight. Ready to podcast. Ready to podcast, yes. <laughs> and for those of you that were not at Nationals, or maybe you didn't get a chance to interact with him, but Mr. Co-host Brad was able to make it to his first Nationals and get to experience this community in all of its glory. So... uh <laughs> I guess just right here off the rip, top of the episode, just hit us with your first impressions. How many weird cats are there in Redemption? Go ahead and hit us with it. <laughs> Man, you, you you are going right off the rip. Let's go. Um, first impressions. Well, here's the thing. I could probably just rattle off and talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, so just stop me at some point. How about that? <laughs> first impressions. thought it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed going to Knoxville. Uh going to Chris's church, I really was not sure what to expect, like at all. And I love how uh, informal it is it, uh, to be a Nationals, but still like it was, it was very informal. But oh, in, the, informal is what we do as redemption yeah, players. <laughs> which is great because it, it takes a lot of the pressure off. But the things that needed to be formal were formal, which is, is good. You know, it wasn't like, they're like cutting a bunch of corners or anything. Like when it's time for gameplay and for the serious things, that was that was uh, taken care of really well and thought out well. Going from like having the screen up to where everybody could see it, having the the programs to be able to match everybody up quickly and all that stuff is really cool. But yeah, um, yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect. Again, I don't think very many people knew what I looked like. So, and I didn't know what a lot of people looked like either. <laughs> so, I'm trying to sit there. I was like, well, first off, I get in there and, um, you know, I meet Chris. He's at the front. So that was cool. Talk to him for a little while. I, I like how you say meet Chris and you've already met him well, before. Yeah. I mean, and he, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like you feel the need to say met because it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a while since I've seen him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're catching up a little bit. He's like, hey, everybody's down the hallway to the left. 
Um, I was like, all right, cool. So I like I walk in, I got my all my stuff with me. John's already got you already got all your podcasts and stuff set up. You're already down there. You got the headsets on and everything. You're like, all right, you ready to podcast? I'm like, dude, I literally like walked you in. Walked I still got in my stuff in my hands. <laughs> and he's like, no, sit down. You're on the mic. I'm like, all right, sweet. So I literally didn't even get to meet anybody. Just sat down, started podcasting. And then from that point, it was just bringing like a Tyler started. And then we just started getting random people over. So got to meet like a manual for the first time. People yeah. like that. That was, that was really fun being able to set up. And I ended up going ahead and expanding my um, arsenal, if you will, so that when we travel to a big tournament like that, because I know hopefully we keep Mr. Classic and we have it as big as it was before. But to expand the arsenal to have the capabilities of having four mics and headsets, but being able to have four, and I think that was really cool just sitting down and having a bit of a rotation of a couple of people there. And the only thing that stinks about it is it was so fun that I feel like a little bit of incomplete because we only did it that first night, and it would have been really cool to, in the evening, sit down with each of the winners of the categories or people that placed you know, talk to them about it. Maybe the RNRS winners for categories, sit down with them and talk about their, you know, their journey through the tournament season, doing well at multiple stops on their way to winning RNRS, that type of thing. Um, and it would have been really cool to do that, but I'm still early enough into my redemption playing that I'm super excited about playing. Yeah. And it's hard to justify stepping away from playing the game that we like to play in order to do some of that other stuff. That's, you know, the extra stuff on top of that. So it was slightly disappointing to get all that gear set up and only get to use it that first night. But it was really a fun time sitting down and doing that. Um, and maybe we can expand on that in the future. Yeah, um, it was it was really cool just being in that atmosphere. People were already playing games. They were talking deck strategy. You see them going through their cards and stuff. They're doing all that while we're podcasting, so that was uh, really cool. But you know, I think the nationals is a hard place to set up, like you're saying, to talk to like the, whoever wins or whatever. Because like even Booster, we played eight rounds, you know, and we started yeah, at nine. Booster was the, insane <laughs> this year. Yeah, we start at nine and we get done at like close to what was it six something? Yeah, so it was something, and everybody was. Yeah, by that time, everybody's been. Playing for almost 10 hours. Where are we going for dinner? I need a shower and I need dinner. dinner. Yeah, and I don't so. care which order I get those, but I need both of those things. So, so like, me and you, we got paired up super the last round. Did we get paired up the last round? Uh, yes, booster? we got paired up in the last <laughs> round, and you beat me by, was, was it one or two souls? I don't remember. I don't remember, but, but we had a I, I had made the joke all tournament season with you that you were a grindy player and you Bought that off, and you were like, all right, so we're sitting down, booster draft. We don't even care about these decks. Let's just be done. And I was like, you want to just mutually draw and not have to play it out? Because neither one of us was placing or anything. We weren't in danger of taking points from anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and you were like, no, nah, let's play it out, but let's see how fast we can go. And we finished in like, what, 20, 25 minutes? Yeah. Um, which is kind of difficult if you're actually doing getting to five souls in booster with the way you and I both drafted <laughs> Well, well, we got to roll it back because this episode hopefully will get, you know, added in with some interviews with some winners of categories, things that we weren't able to do on site that I mentioned. 
And we know that Booster Jones, Mr. <laughs> Brian Jones, Booster Seal Jones, as he is officially known in my mind, he won, and he had an insane deck. <laughs> and you know who drafted with him? Hmm. And you're like, I didn't see any of these cards. That's because he was taking them, you nut. (laughs) He was taking them. And you were like, dude, this was a horrible, this is the worst draft experience I've had in my life. And he's over there like counting up dollars because he knows he's about to win. (laughs) So I've only played Booster. Like That was like my fourth, probably my fourth time playing. And um, I'm sitting here drafting this. I'm like, my first time drafting Booster was probably better than this time. And I had no idea what I was doing. And like I kept trying to look for heroes. Like, where's the good heroes? Where's the good heroes? And like You don't look for good heroes. You just look for heroes, baby. Well, heroes, <laughs> any of them. That's what I was trying to do. Anybody that was relatively good. And then me and Brian get paired up first round. I mean, so we drafted <laughs> together. We're sitting across from each other. We're not supposed to be playing each other, but for whatever reason the computer put us together. And this Conspiracy. dude has like <laughs> this dude has an entire like legitimate offense and i'm like he had a type where? one deck he had a type one deck in booster where were all these cards <laughs> <laughs> and then i was looking at my other two people i'm like man y'all didn't draft these cards either what's wrong with y'all y'all gave them all to brian <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh that's what that's just kind of what brian does and that's why i i jokingly say that he's he should change his name to booster jones yeah. because no matter when he plays booster or sealed he walks away with some insane deck that, like, is a mid-level, just standard type 1 deck. Yeah. At Kentucky State, I wasn't playing sealed. Keegan was playing sealed, and Keegan had a chance to Keegan had a chance to place. And he ended up not placing because he had to play it out with Brian. Because Brian didn't want to just, uh, or no, I don't know, maybe he didn't play it out. I don't remember, but Brian showed me his deck. And I was like, I was like, so does Keegan have a chance? And he just showed me the deck. He had the disciples offense with like authority of Christ with Peter, with four drop McCoin with, he had a type one deck, dude. And it's like, how did you, how did you look up and get all of that? And then you realize it's his students that he's there with. So, and I joked with him that at, Southeast Regional, or no, not Southeast Regionals, um, East Central Regionals at Chris's Church, the last tournament before Nationals that Chris had, he got to uh, do booster drafts with a bunch of his students. Like, that's who was sitting at his table because they made up a a large number of the, the field that we had there. And Chris did the whole randomization, and he ended up drafting with three of his students, and he ends up with this killer deck, and it's like, conspiracy, Kentucky State, <laughs> and now this. There is a conspiracy. And then he gets to nationals and he does the same thing. thing. (laughs) And it's like, you're sitting there. You're like, I didn't see these cards. I had a horrible experience. And he's just like, dude, I'm racking up. And it's like, at a certain point, you realize that there is skill involved. Yeah. But he's got some crazy good luck in those limited categories and, you know, pulling those those packs and, and just ending up with some crazy combination of cards that yield such a consistent output from him. He, you're never going to see him in booster or whatever with a deck that you would say he's got a bad deck. He's never going to tell you, well, I didn't win. I didn't have a good deck. The deck's not what's going to hold him back. It's just going to be whether or not the one or two other decks he runs into along the way 
if he can if he can win those games, and he's a really good player on top of getting a good deck. So, yeah, and I think, um, and on top of that, you can tell he's an experienced booster player because he would look at the pack, whether it was the first round, second round, third. It didn't matter what round in the pack it was. He never spent more than about three seconds looking. He would just look at him, boom, he had a card. Everybody else is like reading through him, like, oh, will this be good? Like he knew what he was going for kind of thing. So uh, that's how you can kind of tell that somebody's put in the work for it. So, Yeah, I think it'd be really cool one day. And I've told, I think I've told Jaden this idea, maybe something for his channel or something. I think it would be really cool to get a couple of high quality drafters like that. And have them sit around with like GoPros so that you see the pack. Mm-hmm. So as a player that is not good at drafting or, or is an up and comer trying to improve their craft, you can just boom, boom, boom. You see what he's looking at. And then he's like, I'm taking this one pass. And you see how quick those decisions are made and how he's making those decisions. But you get to see all of the cards in the pack, not just the cards that he ends up with, because everybody can show you this is what I drafted. And they can tell you what they passed on. You know, they will remember a few things they passed on, but to be able to see that in its entirety throughout the drafting process would be a really cool concept. And maybe one day that video can can be made by someone, but I think that would be really cool to do. But anyway, maybe we'll have Brian on later with an interview that we can add to the the backside of this episode. Um, As I mentioned, we're going to do that. But just general sense... You you went to your first nationals. It was fun. Um, but let's do a little bit of uh, l- let me ask you because it took about thirty seconds for me when you got to nationals. How quickly did Roy find you? Um, so I don't I don't even know that I actually had like a conversation with Roy, which is unusual because I saw oh, him talking to just Roy slipping, <laughs> dude. Roy I mean, is slipping. I know I talked to him, but it, we never like really like. We never dude. got past just like a, a brief quiet conversation. So, dude. but I mean, there was, there was a lot of people there. So when I, I, I mentioned this when I recorded, cause at this point, just to give you a little bit of a, a secret inside scoop, people out there listening, appreciate you listening, but here's your inside edge um, piece of knowledge. I've already recorded with Mark and Jalissa, the winners of teams. And that'll end up being added to the backside of this as one of the, um, interviews with the winners of nationals but in that i mentioned that we were talking about roy and it was like dude i i I mentioned that i drove with jeremy to texas so it's like what is it like 15 16 hour drive it's crazy Mm -hmm. we stopped one time for gas one time for gas whatever it was we had to stop for gas and that was our one bathroom break and we drove from like i I, did i don't even know (laughs) We left after work one evening. He met me here in town, and we we just left. I ate with y'all actually. Yeah, you Remember? ate with us, and you ended up getting COVID or something right after. You were like, "Hey, I hate to tell you, but uh, I got I got the Rona." <laughs> Good luck, uh, guys. <laughs> and we ended up being clear. You know, we 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 approached it cautiously, but we felt fine. Didn't have any temperature, fever, or anything. I mean, I guess we had a temperature. That is such a back backwoods Alabama thing. They're like, did you have a temp? Everybody's got a temperature or you're dead. <laughs> but we didn't have an elevated temperature. Um, but anyway, we, we drive to Texas. We get there, and we end up getting there like 7 a.m. the morning of 
or, or the day before, I'm sorry, not the morning of, day before, because we were planning on helping with um, getting people from airports and stuff if needed, since I knew a lot of people were flying and they weren't going to have that many cars. I had no idea what to expect from Roy, and I hate that I'm ruining this for that little joke there at the uh, end of that interview with Mark and Delissa, but I imagine from just his his presentation on Discord and on on the boards and everything that I've heard about him, I thought he was going to be like a mid-40s, uh, I don't know, like he was going to have like a almost a beer belly, and he was going to have like facial scruff, and he was going to be just a, a crazy Star Wars and Pokemon nerd. Like, I imagine this dude, and, you know, I don't want to make this a racially charged podcast, but I assumed he was a white dude, just a straight, you know, Texas white dude, because he was from Texas. <laughs> I just, I imagined him, I imagined him similarly to what Marcus ended up being, and I did not expect that from Marcus. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm sorry, guys. I love you both. <laughs> um <laughs> but it took about three seconds for he he like runs or I mean he doesn't run but he's like briskly walking and he's like Jeremy and he's like it's so good to see you my godson and I was like okay you gotta he's your godfather what what's going on here Jeremy and before I could get those thoughts out he turns to me and he's like my godson <laughs> and then he starts just hugging me and I'm like I'm hugging this person that is not who I expected. And it's like that encapsulates like what my first nationals experience was. It was a lot of like whatever you expected of the community, um, like good stuff. Like if you expect good, honest, decent people for the most part, you're going to get that. Like there's no issues there, but it's just like you were talking about people not knowing what you look like. That thing. It's a, (laughs) it's a, it's a bit of a, uh, it takes a minute for you to um, acclimate, if you will. But then once you acclimate, you're like, okay, uh, all right, I see it. This is my lot. These are these are the nerds I'm supposed to be yeah. with. <laughs> it's 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 funny because I didn't even recognize like I didn't recognize John early whenever he came in. I was like, yeah. I kind of looked at him. I was like, I think I know, like I think I'm supposed to know him, but like I didn't know him. And then same thing with Gabe. I wasn't like I wasn't sure that that was him or not. <laughs> you know, I was like, um, yeah, is that him? And then he came and like introduced himself to me, which is really cool. So I, I'm like not very talkative. Uh, I mean, it sounds weird being that I'm on a podcast and talk a lot. This is easy. Well, that's because I feel like are you? Do you think you're one of those people that after you get used to someone and you like warm up to them, then you talk a lot? Well, yeah, because. I feel like I'm that, and I feel like there's people in the community that probably wish that I was more like the first Nationals when I didn't talk much, and now they can't get me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Once you get comfortable, you're good. But, yeah, I mean, like, I can, I'm totally comfortable being in a room full of people and just, like, hanging on the back wall. You know, like, and actually, I probably did that a pretty good bit, actually. But uh, I remember going to, uh, we, we actually ended up at dinner, you know, Gabe and Rob and several other people. Uh, Tyler and some of them guys. Yeah. Booster Jones. Allsteads were there. Booster Jones. Yeah. Uh, Several, uh, Derek and his son, Chris and his wife. So it it was several of us. 
But I remember, you know, just, oh, again, I just kind of take things in. I'm more of a, a people watcher, if you will, more than a talker. Yeah. But there was there was definitely a time where Gabe just leaned over and was like, hey, man, tell me about yourself. <laughs> like, all right. Sweet. <laughs> and like, we just had like a long conversation. I'm like, of all the people, like he didn't even, I don't even know that he knew who I was, but so it, it just speaks to like kind of the welcome, even like the elders and like the people who are leading the game, like, and, yeah. and Rob did the same thing. Like I was shocked that um, Rob kind of initiated a conversation with me. He didn't know who I was, but like, he's just so like, he's not just there for business, you know, or like there just to be a face. Like he, like you could tell like these people like care about you and, you know, are invested like in the community. So that was really cool. Yeah. Although I will say from what I know about Gabe, I'm pretty sure he probably knew who you were when he asked you. Okay. He seems like a pretty analytical, like he, he knows what's going to be going on yeah. type of guy. Could be. He, he didn't portray that he knew me, but he probably did, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There, there's a, a ton of different personalities that make up this collective group of players and elders and leaders of this game. And it's, it's kind of crazy that it's worked out so well for so long and hopefully doesn't show any signs of slowing down because I feel like the excitement and the anticipation of new stuff coming out is like, I feel like it's really good. I don't think like we're, we're wavering um, on that aspect or anything. And we're making the game more um, new, uh, new player friendly, everything trying to clean up wording and all of that and all, working towards that. I mean, it's really cool to know the type of personalities that have worked well together that maybe would not interact very much outside of the context of this game and this fellowship that is created and harbored by this game. And also, you know, sharing a a like-minded faith and all of that adds to it. But obviously there's certain things that people are going to differ on as far as, you know, the finer details of uh, the Christian faith because there's different denominations and different things, but it's like none of that holds anyone back from just engaging in this community. And it's really cool to see that like the Baptist people can hang out with the Pentecostal people and then the Catholics can hang out with them. And then like uh, whatever, I don't know any other really predominant ones that I know for sure were represented. Um, like I'm sure there might be some people involved with Methodist. But you you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and I I don't think that ever came up, which was I guess kind of a plus because uh, if you're ever around a bunch of Christian people, it's usually <laughs> something's gonna come up like that. But it was just the like, Baptist hey. versus the Pentecostal. <laughs> Let's see it. <laughs> we were you know for that weekend we were just all followers of Christ and you know enjoying a game together. So that was actually it was a bit a big plus. So very yeah. cool. And to see that play out is is really cool. And to know that it's consistently been there, at least the three national tournaments that I've been to. And, you know, even in all of the smaller tournaments that I've been to, um, it, it seems kind of that same way. We just show up, we play this game we love. We, you know, for the most part, a lot of us have similar beliefs. But I believe, um, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I know this for a fact, but I would assume that within all of those people that were there, there, there might have even been, you know, a handful of people that would say that they're not a, you know, a believer or a follower of Jesus per se, or maybe, you know, they're not far along advanced in their faith journey, that type of thing. And I don't think there's anything really that makes anyone feel out of place 
I feel like it's a really welcoming environment, no matter where you are on your faith journey, which is really cool to see as well. But let me put you on the spot here. So you met, you got to meet Marcus. Did you, did you talk with Marcus? Yeah, I actually played Marcus one time. Okay. There you go. I've never played Marcus. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he pulls some obscure ruling and find a way to beat me. So Uh, (laughs) funny thing, ironically, (laughs) ironically, (laughs) ironically, we had a ruling come up in our. Did you call a judge on? (laughs) (laughs) Did you call a judge on the judge? (laughs) (laughs) No, this was hilarious. Okay, so I'm playing with this card called Widow or the Widow. I don't know what it was. It wasn't like the Widow from. It wasn't. wasn't, It wasn't Matt's Widow. It was a different Widow. It was Widow. I think it was Widow. It's like a the widow at Zarephath. No, no, oh, it's just like, uh, okay. The widow, the one that can't be blocked by eight <laughs> or something. <laughs> okay, so the way that the cards worded, I don't have it in front of me. But it, <laughs> I, I know how this is going. This was in booster draft, and this you drafted booster. a card that does not work the way that it does. Exactly. It said that uh, can't be blocked by strength of seven or eight or more or whatever. Yeah. Okay, I thought that that was protected from, but they told me it meant ignore. Yeah, and I said, how do you, I said, oh yeah, because Gabe did come over about that. I oh yeah, that. you were like, hey, 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 big dog, let me, uh, <laughs> let me, let me, let me get you over here. He's trying to, he's trying to bend the rules. <laughs> hey, just because he's the rule analyst doesn't mean, I need a second opinion. Uh, but we, I think he, uh, you know, that card hadn't been played in so long. We were, we were trying to figure out what it was, but, um, so it meant ignore. And I was like, man, well, I haven't been playing it like that, like the entire tournament, <laughs> but so anyways, he had some uh, guys in territory that were like a plus eight or whatever, or whatever it, the, it, they, 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 they met he, the condition. They met the condition. So he couldn't block with um, those characters, but he ended up blocking with somebody else from this territory. There was like a four or whatever and ended up winning the battle because of it. But what he had in his hand was like a sap for somebody that even though the the number was above eight, ignore you can still come from hand, and she's ignoring them, so it's an auto block, basically. Unless you have some kind of yeah, like, unless you can interrupt the battle on your own side. Yeah, unless you can negate your own your widow. own own yeah, widow. Own yes, widow. I know. I've been well, there before. I have been there before. So <laughs> we were tied at the time, and this was the last, like the last block or no. I don't remember if I won or if I just won a timeout. I can't remember. But I ended up getting the soul because he blocked from territory instead of block from hand. <laughs> and it was just it was hilarious coming, you know, playing Marcus. Okay. And him right. not Look. like realizing somebody or somebody walked by his hand and said, Why didn't you play that from your hand and get an auto block? He's like, oh man. That was funny. <laughs> well but, let me ask you this, because if we bring that back full circle just a little bit. All right, you ready for this question? How deep in the pack did you take Widow? Because I bet you saw that pretty early in the pack. You were like, dude, I'm about to walk in. <laughs> and you wonder why Booster Joe. <laughs> how, 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 how quickly did you take that out of your pack? To be honest, I probably took it towards the end because she had such low numbers. And I was sitting there thinking, well, she may be protected from these high... St- uh, toughness people but I was like nah but I ended up I needed a hero and she was my only purple hero in my deck that was the thing I don't even know <laughs> I think I had some I can't remember I had a horrible horrible offense 
understand. All I know is we got to get that video for Brad. <laughs> we got to get we got to get that video for you and them booster man. Video. Yeah, the the one I was talking about where they can show you how to drive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, man. I well, so the last time I played booster in Alabama, I won it. Remember, I had a great draft that time. I, I honestly don't remember. Um, I'm, was, I'm, you know, I forget the bad drafts that I have, and I remember <laughs> the good ones. Like I, I won both state and regionals for us this year in booster draft. So I know that I did yeah. that. But well, see, I haven't been to a tournament since the last tournament. I since went nationals, to was, since nationals, well, before nationals, we were at nationals. That's all that matters is nationals. It was and like now a we year. move forward, and you'll start coming to tournaments this year. Yes. Are we going to have tournaments this year? No, we're going to have tournaments. <laughs> but anyway, so you met Marcus. Yeah. You you at least know of Roy. You know talked Roy. with Gabe some. You know Chris. You yep. know Tyler. Yep. Um, I feel like I'm. you met Joe Schaefer. He had the chicken on his head the first day. Yeah. Chicken head. Call. Chicken, chicken. <laughs> whoa, whoa, chicken head. <laughs> we, uh, we had to call him over quite a bit. <laughs> okay. He was running around everywhere. I feel like I'm still missing someone. Oh, John. Obviously, yeah. you know John. Well, I just, first time I met him. Okay. But but you know of John, and, and you got to uh, at least see him from a distance. Yeah. First time I met Jaden um, and Justin in person. Okay. Um, Jared. Yeah. Uh, that's the first time I met him. Let's see. I'm trying to think of everybody. Like <laughs> now you feel bad because you're gonna forget some names. Robium, you met him. Yes, Robium. He sat down and recorded with us. Yeah. But here, here's where my line of questioning was gonna go: is you met the elders, right? You met all the elders that were there. Yes. Who's your favorite elder? <laughs> Who is your favorite elder? This is what the people really want to know. And favorite. just, just keep in mind if you say anybody besides Tyler. He's going to go on hiatus because he's going to have hmm. hurt feelings. Golly. I didn't know my opinion was that important, but uh, how about this? I love them all differently, like my kids, you know, like I love them all the same, but in different ways. How about, you know, <laughs> they, all, they all contribute so well. So, okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I won't, I won't push the, <laughs> the subject too much, but anyway, so. And we can we can keep going through just different recollections of nationals, but I think um, the main point of obviously this episode, and I just want to make sure that I get it on record and say this before, like we just keep talking about nationals, and then you're like, what are we? What what is the main point of this podcast? And you know what <laughs> what the next podcast is because I know there's a lot of exciting things happening in the game right now. But I talked to to Brad a little bit earlier today when he finally got his sound equipment back. <laughs> kind of last minute. Um, I recorded for the first time after Nationals last night when I recorded with Mark and Jalissa, who won teams. Um, and I set up my equipment right before that. So we're we're still trying to get everything back up and running. But I, I mentioned that this podcast, I wanted to talk about Nationals and what that experience was like and, you know, kind of go through some of some of that experience for, you know, people to get our perspective on it because I think it was a really – really good tournament. I think that it was ran pretty well. I think we had some long days because there was a lot of timeouts and there was a lot of rounds for the categories, but all in all, I think it was a, a, a great tournament. I think um, people were able to show up and kind of stress-free hang out and not have to worry about 
facilities or hosting issues or, you know, we didn't have any like computer issues and, and things. So things ran well. Um, and so anyway, I just wanted to recollect on nationals and what that was before we kind of close that chapter and move forward with what is now a really exciting time for redemption because post nationals you have, first of all, we just had starter decks come out, brand new starter decks. We've got Israel's rebellion that we got at nationals released. And that is not yet officially legal for tournament play, but should be soon as it starts to get into more players' hands. You have Roots coming out. Um, You have all of the promos from Nationals, the winner promos, and, you know, all of that. And then you have the fundraiser promos that hit. We're still doing the fundraiser to try to uh, do packaging for the new set. Just a lot of cool things, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about on the next episode so kind of avoiding talking about new cards here because I think that's a that's a pretty broad topic that can have several uh, avenues of conversation in and of itself. So kind of separate that. And then maybe with that episode, maybe we'll get back on, you know, talking about current recent news and whatnot. We don't we didn't put all that together for this episode because. I, I really don't have a reason other than I just didn't do it. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> hey, uh, let me speak to that as well. So it was really cool seeing just like how generous people were at Nationals. And uh, I don't say this in a in a braggy way. I say this hopefully in a humble way. But like somebody bought me a box of Israel's Rebellion. I still have no idea who it was. And I was just like, like Rob just said, hey, somebody bought you a box. I'm like, what are you talking about? They bought you a box of IR. I'm like, wow. So just want to say a thank you if you're listening. I'm sure <laughs> whoever it was probably does listen to this podcast. But that was super, like, really cool. Like, just out of nowhere, like a blessing like that. And then even, like, something little, like, um, but you were there for this. Like, Emmanuel, he just came over, like, after uh, it was, like, lunchtime. He came over. And he, like, bought us all lunch. Everybody was, like, sitting there. I'm like, dude, awesome. Like, thank you, <laughs> you know? Um, so just a little stuff like that. It was really cool to see, you know, be a part of a community like that. Yeah. Emmanuel probably thinks I'm rude cause I disappeared and, and just left it there. <laughs> I heard it was repurposed. It was given to someone else. And I appreciate <laughs> the fact that it, the blessing was passed on, but my kid disappeared. His phone was dead. I had to go track down him and I barely got back in time for the next round. Well, so that was my lunch for that day. But that, that was, uh, Emmanuel's exact words. John is rude. He didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he would not be wrong, <laughs> but I do know that uh, last year, last year somebody bought me something at nationals, and it was two VHS Angel Wars, and I don't know who ended up doing that or whatnot, but I have them on my shelf here. All I'm saying is I didn't get a box of IR, so who do I need to write <laughs> and uh, find out what what the deal is? Where's my Israel's Rebellion? Hey. Okay. <laughs> funny, man. It was really cool. I actually finally opened them up yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and you pulled a Zebulon, and I did yep. not. And I, That's right. I, I bought two boxes for myself, and I bought Keegan a box. And out of that, we got no, no Zebulon or Reuben. Mm. But thankfully, uh, I worked out a deal with Chris, so I'm I'm getting a copy of those. So we're we're saved, guys. Saved. Um, but that is really cool that that someone uh, chose to uh, bless you with a box and. It could have been Rob himself because Rob is one of those kind of Rob, guys. This is what this is what he told me. Okay, 
So I'm gonna put this out there. He's because I I was kind of pressing him a little bit. I was like, dude, you gotta you gotta let me know. You had him in the full this, court press. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you can't just walk up and hand somebody a box and expect me not to be like, come on now, who who is this? But uh, he said, look, I know who handed it to me or like the the money or whatever, but it wasn't that person that gave it to you. So I don't know who actually gave it to you. They were just like the messenger. So that's what he told me. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna take him at his well, word. There you go. That's cool, and I'm glad that that did happen because now, not that you couldn't have, you know, enjoyed my cards with me. We could have, I could have got together and let you see my cards. But it's kind of cool that you have your own, uh, your own cards, so that now you kind of know a little bit more about the set. You've been able to look at some of the cards, and that'll be really cool for us to talk about next week um, when we talk about the cards and things. So that's kind of cool, but the. The other thing uh, with this, I mentioned trying to get those interviews here and uh, encapsulate that. But I also want to, um, as we talk about, as we talk about things and we work on getting back onto a track, I can't promise that we're going to be able to put out an episode every week, but that's going to be my goal. But I know you've got school starting back up with your students, and I know that people assume that as a youth pastor, the summer activities are over. School's back in. You get to send, like, almost like they're your own kids. You get to send them to school. But uh, I'm sure that that's going to be, uh, you're going to be involved with students still, and there's going to be times when you get busy. I'm still busy with work, crazy busy. You you came by the warehouse. It is a wreck. Yeah. It looks like an F5 tornado went off but left the walls intact. There's just stuff everywhere. He's not lying about that, guys. <laughs> it's like 110 degrees in the warehouse. It's it's pretty rough. But we are working on getting a, a professional company to come out and help us out with ventilation to lower the, the temperatures. So we're working on getting some solutions for that. But it's 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 a grind. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like playing Brad in Type 1. It's a grind. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um... Uh, but I don't know if you're going to save this for another episode, but I feel like uh, you need to be interviewed as well. Because it, if, if, I, if my memory serves what, you know, correctly, I remember that, you know, type one is kind of like the thing. Everything else is great, too. It's, it's the premiere thing. Yeah. Premier. And uh, with the being the premiere thing, they, they call out the top eight names. So uh, Which eight would be the cutoff for top cut if they had that like they've had in years past. Yeah. So out of all the competition there, we just so happened that the threshing floor host ended up in the top eight and uh, Man, did your thing. I like how you said t- in the top eight, but you you got to go ahead and tell them <laughs> it was number eight. <laughs> number eight. By the skin of his teeth. <laughs> it is what it is, man. <laughs> you made it. But yeah, we can we can get into talking about type one because I think that's a – that's something that a lot of people are probably interested in, how that went for different people. How did yeah. the meta end up being compared to what we expected it to be? Because, I mean, we recorded just kind of just rambling, uh, what was it, a, a week or a week and a half or so before Nationals. And I was like, yeah, it's going to be 90% GOC decks. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, it, it's it's going to be all GOC, I think. I think you're going to see heavy uh, Matthew, You're going to, which, I mean, Matthew – was prevalent, but there was also so much variety in the games that we played. But that's getting me off off track from what I was going to say. Um, 
Well, too bad you didn't give me an outline, so we got to go with it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we assigned that to you last podcast, though, that you were going to take on editing and doing the outline mm. so that I can just, you know, show up and be a, a beautiful host. Well, I, I, well, I, I don't have a very good memory, so I never don't remember that at all. Yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, but I want to uh, also, as we as we work on getting back towards trying to do weekly recordings, I just want it to be stated that I'm going to put in my best effort to make that happen. Um, you're going to put in at least some of some good effort. I don't know if it will necessarily be your best. There'll be effort. Because uh, I don't know what you've got going on in your schedule. But as we can see fit to do that, and then hopefully we can still do once a month, Threshing Floor Live, where we just hang out and um, there's no editing process to be done. We're just hanging out and talking. We can do that. And I, I think that'll be cool moving forward. But I just want to state for the record that there might be weeks where timing doesn't work out for us to get an episode out, but we are still going to shoot for the goal of weekly releases. But that's a little bit of uh, housekeeping there. Also, we'll go ahead, and because it's been a while since we ran it, we'll just go ahead and insert and let you know that the podcast is still, still sponsored by our friend Mr. John Early with his business, Covenant Games, who was there at Nationals selling all of his uh, family-oriented gaming, Christian-themed gaming, and uh, I guess card game accessories and things. So if you were at Nationals, you, you, you saw all the stuff, go and buy the stuff. Once we buy, get all that sold, we can, we can make John buy some other cool stuff. So go buy that stuff, and then we can, uh, we can push him to buy some cool Redemption-esque things. But we are uh, sponsored by them, so... Make sure you go and check out their website. And if you want to see, you mentioned type one earlier. If you want to see where everybody finished, and if you want to see how far down Jay Chambers was with his flood deck, <laughs> you just got to go to Covenant Games and go to the museum page and then click on this year's results. It'll open a spreadsheet where you can see all the the finishes. So if you're one of the players who were, was playing and you just want to see for your own, you know, like, memory where you were so that you can shoot for better next year or just kind of see where you fell among the 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 crowd you can do that there on the website brad you look like you're doing something what are you doing are you going to games (laughs) but um i do think that in addition to like we can talk about type one a little bit and um you know we I, i think teams will be covered pretty well in in the conversation with mark and jalissa but I do want to also talk about the fact that, and maybe this is something that branches out later on and gets its own episode, but I feel like, and and this is going to kind of come off of the conversation about type one, because like you mentioned, that is the premier category. That is the category that on that day, everybody's playing that category. There's no other category to take people away except for type A for younger players which is basically just type one for younger players. So type one is the category. And we've, we've gone through a lot of changes in the last few years to where the the game's been shaken up a good bit. And even this year, like this was the first nationals with one territory class enhancement restriction last year, leading into nationals that tournament season. We added the reserve rule coming off of that first Nationals that I went to in Texas. So there was changes there. And it seems like after Nationals, there's always like this period of 
what is what is unhealthy about the game that has to be fixed by the elders? What needs to be fixed to, you know, make a healthier gaming environment than what we just had at Nationals? Like what was the what was the issue that we discovered at Nationals or that was, you know, discovered throughout the tournament season, played out at Nationals and now what do we have to change to fix that? And I don't think there's I mean, people are going to going to talk like there's a conversation going on um, I saw where people asked what cards would be worthy of a ban or or what uh, what cards are too strong for the current game. And you can give reasons that Matthew's too strong. I think Matthew is one of those cards that will always be meta defining because as soon as you step out of, you know, playing around Matthew, then he gets exploited and then he is strong again. It's almost like it's going to be an ebb and flow back and forth, like a pendulum. It's going to swing one way and then swing the other. Like if everybody goes to more one and two brigades in their decks uh, on offense and defense to where you're limiting his draw, the pendulum is going to swing on his popularity. But as soon as people go back to multi-brigade, then it'll swing back, and it's almost like guardian of your souls and falling away to where the usage of one dictates the other. And you can say and have an opinion on on that. Everybody's fully entitled to their opinion. We as redemption players do not shy away from the fact that we can have opinions. And we as loud podcast hosts are champions on that mountain. We are on the mountain and yelling what our opinions are most of the time. So I don't speak anything as it is a, a gospel truth. I don't know. I don't know how the community feels. Um, I kind of have an idea of how a lot of people within the community feel on certain things. But if you have an opinion that differs from mine, I'm not going to tell you that my opinion matters any more than yours or that I uh, am more right than you. Everybody can have your own opinion on the game state, but I was pleasantly surprised in type one this year because I sat down, I played several old Testament uh, I played Flood, I played um, Infinidab, I lost to Infinidab, and we, we can we can talk about why I lost to that, uh, but, you know, I played Robin, and he was, Robin Dermo, and he was on Infinidab, and he dropped turn one, no, no card to go get it or anything, just dropped Confusion of Mind, and... I mean, good game, <laughs> you know? Hmm. Like, I'm I'm done, I'm cooked. <laughs> Man, you should discarded. Dude, what's <laughs> crazy is the deck I was playing, Jay said it, it, it does have the best answer in the game for Confusion of Mind. But I didn't put it in the deck because I threw the deck together from memory at 2 a.m. the night before. Like, you had fixed your deck. I had messed with Keegan's deck. Jeremy had messed with his deck. And then you guys are in the bed, and I'm over there huddled up by the little lamp that has terrible lighting. And trying to build this deck from memory. And I left out so many pieces. And uh, we can talk about what I was playing here in a, in a moment. But uh, I played another Ruth musician type deck that uh, Kai was running. I I didn't see if he was directly on Infinidab. I kind of assumed that was probably included. But I didn't get to see that um, in our game. Luckily, I was able to win before that. <laughs> I played... An angel, an angel deck. I played just so many wide open decks. I, I played, apparently, I played a Daniel and Demons deck 
that's what I heard Jaden was playing, but uh, dude, I don't know. I I sat down and I should have shook his hand straight up because he cooked me and I, dude, <laughs> it was rough. Hmm. And I knew it was gonna be rough because he sat down and he's the first player I've ever seen. Not that I, you know, it's not something that is like a secret. Uh, you can do it, but I've never seen anybody actually be brazen enough to do it. But he goes, my tur- I'm going on my turn, and he drops down the resurrection to go and play Bethlehem Stable and what is the, the angel that negates neutrals? Um, resurrection Revealer? Yeah. And he plays them on defensively. You know, go ahead and get, you know, an important piece on offense and go ahead and drop your hand protection because he was worried about potentially Matthew on my side. Which I didn't like. I don't like Matthew. <laughs> I don't like how how he warps the game, even if it, I'm playing him. So uh, I don't like playing him. But I went into that, and you can you can go and listen to that abomination of an episode we put out in our return from Portland <laughs> before nationals. And I was I was thinking it was going to be all GOC, and it was going to be all like I thought there would be copycat decks for Jaden's choose the the demon. To block out of the territory, I thought we were going to see. I thought I'd played more than one flood deck ar- across eight rounds, just because of how much success it had in the tournament season. And I thought at least a couple of people might be on that. And I don't know if I don't know if they were, and I just didn't play them. But the only two that I was aware of that was playing flood was Jalissa Valake and Jay Chambers, which for whatever reason, Jay played great all tournament season. And then it's like that deck didn't do well at nationals. And I, I think, and Jay can, obviously Jay is one of, I talk about opinions for redemption. We all know Jay's going to have an opinion on just about anything. And he will, he'll stand on that mountain with us and start yelling. He didn't even have to have a microphone. <laughs> um, <laughs> he'll be louder than both of us <laughs> telling you his opinion. He might be the one person that can go toe to toe for me, toe to toe with me for being the loudest person in the community. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, he had such a, a great run with it. And I, I think, honestly, what happened to him with that deck is you're limited in, and I know as soon as I say the word limited with Flood, he's going to get upset and offended and talk about all the reasons it's not limited. But I think you've got eight heroes that are Flood survivors that you can use. You get two versions of Shem, you get two versions of Noah, you can pick and choose which which of those, but you've got eight heroes. And then you've got Genesis before IR is a little limited on enhancements. There's some good, really good ones, but you don't get the, the, the depth of quality enhancements that you get in other brigades. Like just compare it to white, to uh, clay, purple even, red from GOC with all the all the stuff layered there gold you, you know blue's got better enhancements than than teal but how much better you know what i mean like i'm i'm making a joke but blue's been held down a little bit on the enhancement side just because there's so many characters that do so many things and there's a lot of themes that are encapsulated with it i get the reasons for it from a balance standpoint but flood being that your heroes you get one hero that has green on him, and if you play, you know, assuming you're playing that Noah, um, because you could have all the brigades if you wanted with that Noah, but 
that doesn't work as well in the traditional flood survivor build. But I feel like just the limitations there, and then he was doing something on defense to hide souls and manipulate that. And as people adjusted to that and found ways to kind of offset that or at least hinder that strategy, there's not a lot of adaptability within Flood because of those limitations. It's not like you can swap out this hero for that one because you need unity for your rainbow and for your a new beginning. So it's not so easy to, you know, oh, well, I'm going to throw in this because they're doing that. There's not a lot of... There's not a lot of counterplay to it. It's like the deck is kind of what the deck is, and it's going to play, and it's going to win a lot of games. But then in those tough matchups that, you know, somebody's teched for it and, and got a card that will swing it in their favor, there's not a lot of potential, okay, now go back to the drawing board, add this card to adapt and change to that because it's a it's an older deck that is kind of limited by unity. Um, I think that's probably the, the biggest limiting factor. Not that it's not a quality deck. Um, I just think after the amount of success it had from Mr. Classic all the way up to right before Nationals, I just don't know how much room there was for it to adapt. So that was interesting to see that after so much success during the tournament season, you didn't have Flood. And you, you've played against Flood. I played that. that I mean, you used to bang your head against Flood so much with your Joshua Heroes that first contender deck you got and I had flood. Wouldn't you think that's a fair assessment that it, it, it feels a little bit more restricted in what it can answer or how it can adapt to answer things? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, it does some, th- the things it does well, it does really well. It sets up fast. It, it can definitely, it can catch some decks off guard, but if it ever gets in a, if if there's if it ever is met with resistance, if it can't over like speed somebody, uh, even resetting the game with a new beginning and stuff, like some of those things can be really good. But the way the decks are now, decks set up so like they they can match that speed and that kind of takes that away. So if you if you can match the speed of flood and then also have better enhancements and better characters, I think that uh it just it needs uh some of these other weapons coming in the new set. Yeah, that that will be interesting seeing those mono, mono um, brigade, blue enhancements that are there. How well, uh, flood is able to use those and and adapt. But, um, I just want to state for the record, I am not knocking the flood deck. I just, I I am. I think like a lot of people, like you expected there to be a really strong showing from Jay. Like if you asked me before, and like we were playing this game, we were like, would you take any combination of top three, if you could pick three or four players, I think maybe we even talked about getting up to five at one point. I'll let you pick three or four names, and would you take one of them to win, or would you take the field? And, I mean, we named a couple of, uh, uh, a few names, you know, like, uh, obviously, Josh and Jeremy and Jaden were, were popular names there. Would you take them or take the field? And I remember saying, well, I mean, in the field you get you get Jay, who's had a, t- a ton of tournament success this season. So, uh, and then you have Nick Marshall that was coming back to the game, hadn't played a lot in recent memory. He was getting adapted to the, the current game before Nationals and went on to win it. So obviously that worked out well for him. But 
I mean, he wouldn't have been one of those that I think you would say in a top three, I'm choosing these three instead of the field. So it would have left him in the field. And I just thought the field, like it was so open. I felt confident in saying that like the field has a really good shot against whatever combination of top three players you can put together. And then I think it bared out a little bit because you got to see like just crazy results like Nick Marshall doing as well as he did. Did did you reasonably expect that to happen? I think you reasonably would have expected him to do well because he's a quality player from all accounts. Um, I've never gotten to play him. I've never seen him play. That was my first time meeting him. But the accounts and his reputation as a player dictates that he would be one that could do really well and even win. Um, but his brothers just just as well. Um, Luke Marshall, he could have he could have surprised people and won a couple more games and been right there. Um, Jaden, obviously, uh, you, you, I mean, if I told you that, if I told you that Jaden would be the one that didn't place, right? Cause he ended up finishing, was it fourth or fifth? You had the results pulled up, right? Yeah. Uh, Jaden was in fifth. Fifth. Like if I told you Jaden doesn't even place going into the tournament, I mean, you would have been like, okay, uh, you, if there there was a deal on the table, I mean, I might take him to place just knowing his reputation, but it's not far-fetched to think that he might not have in this tournament field just because it was just boom. But you ex- you expect Flood to do well, especially piloted by Jay, and it didn't do as well. You expect some people to do okay, and they did better than expected. Some that it just seemed like there was movers all up and down the tournament field. And then the actual cards that were getting played, the deck archetypes, the deck strategies just seemed to be a lot more open than I expected. Yeah. And I know that you weren't there at Nationals last year, but I feel like um, there was some variety, but it was not as great, especially at the top tables. It was kind of uh, like obviously Jaden won with, you know, a more balanced post exilic deck. and. Um, Jeremy came up short with his circus thing, and I don't remember exactly what uh, Josh was playing, but obviously it was tech pretty well for answering some of those things. Um, and I, I, I feel like as you moved up to the to the top tables, uh, you can kind of get a sense of how people are playing, and the 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 variety is there, but not like it was this year. Um, and I, I mean, I guess I didn't necessarily see the very top tables. I got to the first table that was off, uh, that was not streaming. So I guess that would be the third table. The third pairing is where I played Jaden, and he beat me five one. So I moved on down, um, and I never got back up there until they announced me as finishing an eight somehow. So maybe I, I, I'm skewed a little bit because I was in the middle of the pack as far as that goes. But I feel like variety was great compared to previous years. And I didn't feel like there was one thing that when I sat down, I had to instantly be prepared for. Um, obviously, you, you try to assume that they, they might have Matthew turn one, so if you can get to hand protection or whatever, um, that's just, you know, being a solid player, being able to do that. But I don't – I feel like I'm rambling on, but I'm just pleasantly surprised by the, the, the variety of decks there and the quality of the field. 
and the the I guess the the spread of finishes, you know, some people doing better and whatever, instead of it just playing out kind of how we expected. Like last year we expected Josh, Jeremy, and Jaden to be that three and one of them to win. And that's what happened. So how yeah. how was how was the the field in your games? Like what did you experience? Like what did you play against? And was it as as diverse as like what I experienced or was did you see a lot more commonalities among just a few archetypes? Um, well, I will say that um, the the top three from last year finished in the top five this year. So um, while we did have a new winner, there's still, I mean, these top five is still like, I mean, that's still pretty incredible. So also three really good players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we were talking about taking the field or taking kind of what we decided on was like uh, the top three from last year or the field and the top three got in the top five this year. So it really could have gone either way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the decks that I played and the types, it was really, it was really cool. Cause my very first match I played, uh, so I hadn't <laughs> kind of like what you were saying earlier, we built our decks the night before, which is never recommended. Um, that was the first Don't time I build your deck the night before a category. <laughs> yeah. And I did it. Everything but booster draft. <laughs> yep. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could have dedicated a little bit more time to trying to build a deck like I had the year before. Not that I went to nationals, but like I spent a lot of time on my deck the year before. And I spent a lot of games playing online and, and things like that. But anyways, um, I just took the deck that I had last year and tried to do some modifications based on what I thought the meta might be. But um, it was pretty cool. I had a, a Ruth matchup my very first game. So that was like encouraging. I was like, cool. Uh, um, that mirror was match. Yeah, mirror match. Here we go. Um, but yeah, I think I didn't I didn't uh, face like a disciples offense until like game four, I think, or three or four. And I only faced like two of them. So I know I faced several Old Testament offenses and I faced an Angels offense. I did face uh, the... Uh, put the demons on the heroes and the Jaden deck. Yeah, yeah. The Jaden defense, I guess. Choose the blocker. Yeah. Uh, and so that was the problem. Was especially in that game, uh, the guy I was up against ended up playing blindness like off the rip, and my deck is like all searching. Like the entire deck is searching, so it just completely crushed my deck. I, I couldn't do anything. It was like, all right, I'm going to search for it. Nope, I'm going to draw one, basically. Because, you know, blindness, you just take a random card. And then uh, the, the, the decks that I had the, the most problem with are the decks that, like, had hard counters early. And it was in those games that I ended up go, only going, like, I only had, like, four or five cards in my territory by the end of the game. You know, because I just couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And if And I played 57 cards, like I said I was. Thinking about, I, I told you the night before, do not yeah. do it. And it was a mistake uh, because I couldn't get to like the way I had it before. I played, like, 50, I played 51 for perspective and I was mad at myself playing yeah. in the games. I was like, man, I should have been playing at 50. Not that it was killer. It was just like, there was at least a couple of cards in my deck. I'm like, I really didn't need this card yeah. to be at 51. I mean, to play a whole game at 50 with 57 cards and have like, 
35 or almost 40 cards left at the end of the game. I think I had like, well, I probably had about 35. So I probably went through about 20 cards, 20, 22 cards. And that includes my opening eight. That's rough. You know, that, like that is rough, but when <laughs> that is definitely not meta pace. But if, if you have a hard, like I got like hard counters down that I didn't have an answer for, even though I had an answer in my deck, I couldn't get to the answer. For instance, like I said, like the blindness play, I have cards that can get rid negate that or get rid of it. I just couldn't get to them. And I had no way to get to them because I couldn't search my deck. <laughs> so um, things like that. Blindness do be like that. <laughs> Dude, I, and I've never played against blindness. That was my first game. I, somebody's ever dropped that down. See, I was ready for confusion of mine because I'm playing music leader and I have ride on victoriously. I was like, Psh, play confusion. I'll pitch ride on and get it back with music leader and still play it twice, you know? But uh, that was kind of the goal, but you got to have a little bit more speed to be able to do that. So going back to the the types of decks. Yeah, it was, it was really fun because every deck I played was different. There was no, I don't remember any deck that I played that had like the same offense and defense. So that props to the community for making a diverse uh, playing field. And I, I told everybody that I said, look, if I can just get above 50%, I'll be happy because I haven't put in the work. I haven't played a whole lot. I don't even know a lot of the cards, several of the cards in GOC still, because I haven't you know, just spent time with it. And of course, just throwing the deck together at the end. But uh, that was my goal. We both went in with that same goal because I was like, yeah. Dude, I just want to, there's eight rounds. When they announced eight rounds, I was like, I want to go four and four. And I just want to be in the, give me the top half of the field, four and four, mm. and not look like a newbie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to finish down there. No offense to anybody, but I don't want to have the showing of an RLK or something. And I uh, didn't have to jump on the podcast and be like, why did you finish, you know, 77th in a, a field of 78 players or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want that. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling the same way. But going in with that mentality really took a lot of the pressure off because I could sit there and lose 5-1 or 5-2 or whatever and be okay. Like, it wasn't the end of the world for me and I because I'm, I'm pretty competitive. Like, if, if I had really, like, sat down and, like, trained and, like, put in the time for this, it would have been a lot more stressful and I probably would have got a lot more like emotional uh, playing some of these games. But dude, it was, it was like, I'm sitting around and like meeting people for the first time and just like chatting about whatever. And, and even saying stuff like, Hey man, dude, that was awesome. Dude, look at that combo. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Stuff I would never say if I was being like super competitive. Cause I'd be, yeah, spiked. you'd never tell me that Brad, you never <laughs> encourage me when I'm beating you. That's right. <laughs> you try to encourage me when you're beating me. You're like, well, we can play another one. You you might get me next time. Yeah. You know, just give it one more try. <laughs> you're That's real funny. positive when I'm losing. <laughs> but when you're losing, it's like, yeah. man, I don't even know why they would print this card. <laughs> man. But that's here's how I felt like all eight games went. Okay. I went, so I went three wins, four losses, one tie. So about as expected. How many timeouts? Um, Just a tie or did you have? Let's see. You mentioned earlier you didn't know if you timeout or straight one some game, but I, I think that was Booster we were talking about. I timed out three out of 
So almost 50%. We'll see how many you timed you, out. How many I did? Yeah, did you not time out at all? One time. One. Against Robin, who dropped Confusion of Mind, turn one, and I just couldn't overcome it. Well, that was my problem. Um, but that's because I, I forgot to put Abe's Descendant because that is a great answer for that because I'll negate and take, but I can't negate, but I can still take. And now I have your confusion of mind. And now I will mm-hmm. choose to discard it or I will put it down and make you work through it. And I didn't have that in the deck because, again, I, I threw it together from from memory the night before. And I guess I can give a quick, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I like to approach deck building a lot of times. If there's something that I think is crazy strong, I will try I will try playing that at least a little bit to get real familiar with how it plays, to know when I see someone else playing it, like what the lines of play are and things. And, uh, you know, I noted on this podcast several times throughout the tournament season, I was not able to put in a lot of work on deck building. So I started off the first tournament of the season that we did, the Kentucky State Tournament. I threw a Patriarchs deck together just because that's kind of my you know, that's my fallback because that's my that's my stuff. That's what I know. And so I did that and it didn't work out very well. I realized quickly that Noah cannot be played in this meta with Thieves because Highwayman just eats him up and then, you know, later on the realization that his inter- his ongoing prevent goes away if you interrupt the battle and Thieves have all of that. So Thieves are the worst matchup possible for Patriarchs in my experience but i ended up uh putting that away and and this was before the noah uh, realization and the lazarus thing chad had put this deck out soul surfer and i started playing that and i got really really deep into playing playing that one to where i was i I feel like i was pretty proficient at one point then you know it kind of fell off with the interrupt the battle, stopping the ongoing because it's not in play to reactivate thing that I think Jake Ager the Wise, uh, as he is on Discord, um, I believe he's the one that brought it up that it doesn't, it's not in play to re-trigger um, or reactivate after the interrupt the battle. But that's basically what what killed that deck. And Chad, you know, kind of revamped it, used 24 elders and things, and I wasn't really feeling that. Sorry, Chad. <laughs> But I, I moved off of that, and I just didn't have time to put a lot of thought into anything. But I wanted to be creative, and so I, I blended Patriarchs. And I was like, what is Patriarchs? Like, what can I do with, with them to be unique, to at least have a unique fun deck? And I ended up coming up with this thing, and I sent it to, to Jaden. I sent it to a couple of other people. I think I sent it to uh, John Early. And uh, at one point I sent, John a Patriarchs deck and he circled the offense and he was like first step to fixing it would be to put a real offense in here and I was like okay what a loser (laughs) Uh, and you know I I was sad for about negative 30 seconds and then I was all better um, because I don't care (laughs) but I ended up going back to the drawing board and I went Patriarchs with the toss and then having Herod's Temple, Toss is my favorite game mechanic by far because I feel like people don't play it enough to reasonably quickly decide what they're, how they're going to approach it. And it, it catches people off guard so much 
and there's just a lot of synergy with it and blue. And I've just always, since I came in the game, I gravitated toward blue stuff. Um, it, it might be a detrimental flaw that I have, but IR is here, baby. So blue is on the map. There's going to be a blue good stuff deck. I never thought that people would be using that term like they do with like clay good stuff, but there's blue good stuff out there. But anyway, the um, the deck that I ended up coming up with was using toss just everywhere I could put toss, putting the cross down and complacent to limit battle interaction with dominance. And I played dominance that functioned well outside of battle and ones that if I got them in my opening hand, I could get value from them instantly versus having to wait for the opportune moment in case I have the opportunity to put the cross up. I don't want to, oh, here's this dominant I could use to get a benefit later on. I've got the cross. I wanted to be able to get a benefit, then do the cross if I found myself with a hand full of dominance. So I used like vain philosophy uh, a lot this tournament season. I used uh, Mayhem. Mayhem was so clutch several different times for me throughout the season playing. Um, I really liked the versatility that it gave in certain scenarios, especially like I could manipulate with so much hand protection going around. I could manipulate and, you know, get all the card advantage for myself to do like a plus, you know, four or five at times, put stuff down and then play it while they don't get any effect. Or I could use it strategically while they don't have hand protection or eliminating that hand protection and then doing it. But I ended up doing Patriarchs. And Herod's on defense so that I could use Herod's temple to great effect. And I had patriarchs and disciples blended together because I noticed a lot of the blue enhancements had clay and I called it genociples. And so Jacob could go in father Abraham, not father Abraham. I'm sorry, just Abraham cloud of witness to negate neutral cards, which is really important in battle for certain souls that, that can affect things. I really liked coming in and potentially turning off someone's distress so that my Enosh turns back on to negate their stuff, um, things like that. So he comes in, three visitors, Jacob. Jacob's going to search for an enhancement, and then I would do the looped faith of Abraham on Abraham and, and Abraham's servant to Ur. And if you play it, it negates the playability, which puts the card back in your hand. So it's just a loop, and then you have it for next turn or, or for later on. Um, and then I had peace as well for tossing. And so I had two different big ways that the offense could approach, but I used send the helper and got a lot of the GOC cool, cool tech plays because I would use Jacob to ban to a meek disciple. And what's really cool about the meek disciples, if you use Peter, primarily Peter and John, the fisherman is that they are clay and green on their meek side. So you ban to a meek. Then with like send the helper, I would go and get faith of Samuel. So I'd band to meet Peter is a play that I would do a lot. He was my primary, you know, band at the end. So I get big numbers, clay and green, send the helper triggers. I get to take faith of Samuel from my reserve. Uh, I have Goshen active. And while Goshen is active, you know, we're tossing anything that doesn't match, but faith of Samuel matches directly on the meet Peter. So you could play that to band in John, draw three off the enhancement, draw two off John, so afterwards, so you're not worried about foreign wives being a block because they've already presented at that point. You get to draw five and toss the next on top of this big band 
uh, or you had, you know, the peace play established or you had that. But another play that I really liked is um, having hope because it's almost like a territory class enhancement to go get peace. You could put hope down and use it as a, a hero. Like if you guys, we'll, we'll talk about this on IR, but my card is in IR and they changed its numbers to 0, 10 instead of 110. So it gets initiative over anybody in the game. Even if you block with the worm, it's going to be a stalemate and you played the last card. So it's my initiative, homie. Uh, so I love the card now uh, with that in mind. But I was using Hope for the same ability. It's a zero twelve hero. It's getting initiative. And then I would play like Faith of Noah for a board wipe to discard all evil cards or evil characters, decrease them by 12, which is going to pretty much wipe out anyone or leave you very vulnerable with, you know, if you have somebody that's a 13 toughness or something, they might have one toughness. Um, I was also pairing that with Covenant with uh, Adam to decrease, uh, you know, playing into the toss part of it. <laughs> and then on top of all of that, I was doing, uh, so Hope would, would be able to do that, wipe that out as a battle winner. But I would also be able to get off of, uh, out of my reserve, either off Send the Helper or just searching for it with Book of the Covenant, Covenant of Prayer, take it get um, eternal inheritance and play that off of hope. Uh, if I'm limiting dominant restriction in the battle phase because of complacent and hopefully the cross as well at some point, come in with hope, hope's initiative. And that was another name I called the deck at one point was hope's initiative. Yeah, you got it. All right, boom. All right, I'm going to take that soul. <laughs> I'm, I'm good there. Or I would come in hope's initiative. All right, play that faith of Noah to, to decrease. And my Herod's Temple was protecting my Herod's because it's opposite alignment. My good card is still opposite alignment of my my Herod's. So it kind of worked out. And I just, I just threw this together, and I had a lot of fun with it when I played it. And I broke it down, and I built, I built Tomb Raider that obviously got real popular there toward the, the end of the tournament season and at Nationals. And I just wasn't feeling that the night before, and I flipped it back and tried to build it from memory. My deck that I had built all tournament season, uh, well, not all tournament season, like the second half of tournament season after Soul Surfer kind of got got nerfed. And so I ended up playing a jank version of my Genocycles deck. And I'm talking about, like, I had blocks in the reserve that I couldn't get to because I forgot to put Deceiver in. I forgot to put Outsiders in. So I was short at least one evil character. I forgot to put ends of the earth because I was also using ends of the earth um, at the risk of Matthew. I know guys, but I was like, I just don't care if I see Matthew, they're going to win with Matthew probably anyway against a patriarch's deck. Cause you already got all the brigades, but the disciples are missionary. So you get the full benefit of ends of the earth and it helps you get another card that you can use in a toss scenario. If you get into that. So well thought out deck, but that was not the version that I played. I played a jank version. And when I say jank, I mean, like, I'm surprised that I was able to get five full wins with that deck. But that is that is what I played at Nationals. And it's, you know, I did the King Noah thing uh, before my first Nationals and it ended up flipping. And I didn't play what I wanted to at Nationals. And I almost made the same same decision here was I played that and I settled on that at some point. Uh, mid to late tournament season that that's what I wanted to play. And then I 
you know, I wasn't feeling it after our last tournament, uh, Southeast regionals. And, I I built tomb Raider and I was going to flip to, you know, what was popular, what I thought would keep up with the meta better. And I ended up falling back this year. And even if it was last minute and I built a jank version, I played what I wanted to play and I did really well with it because even with certain limitations because of building it last minute, how well you know your deck is such an important thing and how well you're comfortable within the scope of that deck and what it's trying to do. You know, like you, you went back to Ruth, even though you hadn't played much this tournament season, but I bet you when you got into those familiar lines of play, you knew exactly what was going on when your deck was rolling, right? Yeah. I will say uh, one of the best strategies on um, offense this year and probably most years is I had a defense. I didn't get to play it very much. <laughs> the times I did play it, extremely successful. Nick Marshall would say, why are you playing defense then? <laughs> well, because the offenses, like, for instance, the offense that um, throws a demon and then chooses the the blocker. That's what I'm talking about, like, stuff like that. Like, I didn't get to, like, I had, like, Naaman. I, I played a lot of the Southeast defense. I would throw out Naaman thinking no matter what's going to happen, I'll be able to uh, do a cannot be negated enhancement. And they would have a way around it to where I couldn't play anything. Or yeah, I couldn't they even. Would, they would I, activate Herod's Temple on you. <laughs> no, I never got. I never got Herod's Temple. Oh, them, okay, but because they would never have like a lone hero in or whatever, or a lone uh, gospel hero, or whatever the requirement is for that. But uh, never got to play. And I would play like uh, Saul of Tarsus, for instance, uh, and try to get unsuccessful and get initiative. And I could never get that combo off, like ever. And I feel like that was the easiest combo to get off. Hey, go get the enhancement and play it. <laughs> but, but they would, uh, I don't know. It was just, I can't even remember what they did, but like I, I didn't get to play like my cards. Um, uh, and they were able to rescue that way. So that seems to be such a familiar, like, I know that we're trying to increase interaction. And I think that we've made such tremendous strides in that regard as a as a game um the elders have done a good job pushing us toward that with recent rule changes and things but you talk about limiting your interaction to where you can't interact with their rescue attempt or their their block with a chump block if you can consistently with your deck and the way you build decks limit your opponent's ability to play their cards to stop you like not that like it gets into a battle of I'm playing a card you play a card the best players seem to be able to strategically build a deck to where you don't even, you feel like you didn't even get to play your deck when you sat down and played them. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel like I played my deck against Jaden. Like <laughs> the yeah. last, the last turn, like he's coming in and I've got an evil character to block that has, uh, I believe, I believe it was a character that would have been protected. Uh, maybe not, but I, I, I knew I had limited resources to back it up. And he's already got four. It's four one. I was like, "You're gonna rescue right this turn." And I was like, "I'm just, I'm, I'm not gonna block. We can, we can just go ahead and, you know, get ready for the next round instead of taking this time for me to make that play out. I can make the decision that I, I'm not gonna block your rescue attempt if you, you want to just go ahead and push your hero. And so we finished it, finished it up five one there. But I mean, it was, it was to rail. 
to where they were coming around to call last round and stuff. And I just, why, why take the little bit of extra time to try to push us into eat into the time for the next round? Um, he's clearly gotten the full win at that point. You know, he, he deserves it. He, <laughs> I didn't even see my deck that game, <laughs> but so many yeah. times the best players can consistently do that to where you feel like you don't get to interact. You know, it's like sitting down and playing Jeremy when he's got one of these combo decks and it's like, dude, I didn't even, I didn't even, I drew eight cards and you said good game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Basically. That, that's a lot of it. You know, some, some of it was getting rid of cards in, in my hand before I could use them. A, a lot of it, the times I struggled the most, like I said, they played like a hard counter in the beginning and I just couldn't get rid of it. So I didn't have, they were, they would be most of the way through their deck and I was not getting through my deck at all. Um, and then there was other times like with thieves, for instance, I would have exactly what I needed to like do a good rescue. And then the thieves would take the stuff out of my hand. And now I'm left with like, well, daggum. Like, <laughs> you know, cause like they could literally like almost pick what they wanted and it could be offense or defense oftentimes. So sometimes they could get something that they could use or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think the best players uh, and the games I won, that's how I played against the opponent. You know, yeah. um, it's like they couldn't use their strategy uh, because my deck took off. I had exactly what, man, I was like rolling, bah, 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 putting everything down. My territory just exploded like it's supposed to. And I had everything I needed for every battle, basically. And yeah. uh, like the th- the three wins, I'm, I'm I'm actually thinking about them now. The three wins I had, I think I won in three turns, all three times. And the only souls that each of them got were Son of God and Second Coming. Yeah. So I've I was on the offensive side of that of shutting their deck down, and I was on the other reverse side of man, I can't do anything. So yeah, there was a there was a couple of times where. Uh, at least in at least two games I know of where they're coming in for a rescue and I can block them and I know I have the block. I know I have the block, but the way that Herod's block, you know how Herod's block, like we're, we're going to be protected. My evil character is going to be protected, but that's going to pass you initiative so that you can play an enhancement in battle and generate resources that might help you interact with me. Like for example, one game, I'm playing Jalissa with the Flood. She's got the guy that if I search, she gets the underdeck in territory. She has Sheol. If I search, she gets the underdeck. So she can underdeck two souls, and she's got two out. So any search I do is, you know, so I can't, I, I have to play around that. And so what I ended up doing was when she pushed for a rescue, even though I can try to go for the five Oh for a soul differential and all that. I chose to give up a soul instead of giving her the opportunity with the way that the defense blocks to play an enhancement that might let her get away to negate my cross because my cross was up just about that whole game. And I know she's got, cause I've already seen her hand. She's got a new beginning in her hand. She's got angel of the Lord. And I think she has three woes cause she tried to three woes the cross. And I was like, you can't do that. But you know, cross does that to you if you haven't played against it that much. You're like, what can I do? And you're like, yeah. none of those cards that you rely on, which is the great thing about the cross when it's active. It's just so easy to negate that. I know a lot of people didn't run it, but I wanted to limit people's ability to interact with my banding offense uh, when I played played that deck. But 
I ended up giving up a soul there. And just so happens that um, on the next turn, even without having to go into battle, I knew that I had only used Son of God because I went ahead and used it at one point just so she couldn't hide a soul. I ended up drawing second coming and ended the game the next turn after choosing not to block. But one of my enhancements was to interrupt the battle, grab something from reserve, and that would have been a search that would have got rid of both of those souls on her side and her not drawing before I go on my turn. So it was kind of like making a decision. So I I could have been that person to try to not let someone play their cards the way that they want in battle or in that situation I feel like I did the opposite like I gave them a soul so that they couldn't play their cards she's probably got an enhancement she's like I can go and get this to answer that no uh -uh, I'm not I'm not falling for it and uh I guess it, it worked out in that situation but yeah definitely making keen decisions to limit the way that people can interact and make their deck play against yours is uh, definitely important. Another thing, key thing to note is you mentioned hard counters at the beginning of a game. I got hard countered at the beginning of the game, and because this was thrown in from memory, I didn't think about Abe's Descendant in my deck. I didn't have it as an answer for the curses that were, were popular. Uh, blindness being popular just in the, the decks that were running demons. Because you can use like blasphemies and search for it, or you just get it naturally. And some people were throwing that down as a counter. But the big one is confusion of mind. And it seems like for all the, the positives of one territory class restriction, <laughs> it makes it really hard when they drop that early counter down. Because you can't just chain a bunch of cards to go and find your answer in your deck. You're really, you're really hit hard by that counter turn mm -hmm. one now. And it, it, it limits your ways to dig into your deck to find the answer. So, I I honestly, I kind of like that because um, when I played when I played Robin uh, Dermo and he had his uh, Infinidab combo or whatever. Like at one point, I ended up getting rid of his David, I believe, with Moses kills Egyptian, set it aside for whatever, which was was great. But at one point, he had it if he wanted it, and uh, I don't remember why he didn't go in, or maybe, I, I don't remember why he didn't, but I'm sitting there, and like, if he gets this thing up and running to where he can repeat it early on, and I've got no real way to do anything on offense to generate resources, because uh, the defensive side was really just, I'm going to search for the, the body that I'm going to put there and make you work through not really gaining resources. I had uh, Herod Phillip, Crazy Eyes, as he's been deemed, uh, to draw a number of your Herods. But in in the way that I was playing Herods, he honestly seemed like a waste of a, of a card slot. And I had replaced him at one point. He was in and out of the deck. And I think I decided that Outsiders was better for that slot than him. And then when I threw it together, I had him and not Outsiders. Um, because he's always just usually drawing one. It's good if you, you think you're about to, you know, get Angel of the Lord. Uh, but, I mean, most of your guys are protected from dominance anyway. So, And I'm limiting domin dominant interaction. But 
it really does seem that the early counters have a really strong impact, especially, you know, the games that I, I played, whether it was me dropping a counter early or, you know, like I did against Jalissa with her flood deck, having to cross down to limit the dominant interaction for her, or Robin doing that with Confusion of Mind against me. I wonder how at the top tables, how impactful those early like i'm talking about not really having to search for it you just got in your opening hand you're dropping confusion of mind how impactful that was in their games um so i'll definitely have to go back and watch the footage from nationals that we got on live stream to to see that but man it was really hard to get over in my games i mean that's it it felt like uh every game was about this the only game that wasn't like that was the game that uh i tied four four uh that's that's the only game that it was like a bat literally like we were back and forth boom 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 like that was a great game and it was it was it was a little bit of a it wasn't a mirror match but it was old testament old testament it was kind of like red warriors versus ruth who were you playing against uh charles okay charles you know yeah okay yeah yeah me and him we had a great game i mean it was he and had we had more time, he probably would have. I think he probably would have won if we would have had one more round. Um, but it was a, you know, he was playing David with David's harp, and I realized at that moment that I was an idiot for not playing David's harp, even though he told me <laughs> that the night before. Yeah, I just never played with it before. And I was like, ah, I don't know how to play with this yet. So, but it it would have came in like super clutch. Yeah, it would, it would have been a lot better had I had that. Had I had David's harp and been at 50 cards. But, you know, those are all things that this is why you play the tournament season. Yeah, this is, <laughs> If anybody's this listening out there, the if you're before. wondering, <laughs> you play the tournament season, you refine your deck, and you know what the meta is, or clo- at least an idea of what the meta is. Because I'd never really played against Thieves before Nationals. So I was sitting there like, they like, can be nasty. Yeah. Like there was that deck that you made that had um uh that we played a couple of times back in uh a few months back. The the couple of the couple of days that I had to play Redemption this year. Oh yeah, when you were on uh when you were recovering. Yeah. I was you know, you had some thieves in there, but I you kept saying, dude, you're playing these all wrong. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, the highway man sucks. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, you're, you're not playing them right. That's when you switched up and you were playing Keegan's deck that has the Demon Thieves. Yeah. And you were like, why are these brigades? They don't even seem to go together. Like, <laughs> these guys, they don't work well. Like, I can't do it. But, In yeah. fact, they work quite well. <laughs> Dude, when I played them, I was like, holy cow. Like, I thought I was about to get a, I thought I was about to run past and get a soul. And I don't know. Okay, well. Uh, the hour has gotten late here on on the recording for this, the main body part of the the episode here. But I do have one thing, one observation that I want to ask you about um, and get your opinion on it because I, I know this this was your first national, so you didn't experience it firsthand. But I know that you know kind of the story behind it from being plugged in with the community since we've gotten involved in the game. So John Early won in 2019 and then in 2020 who won it was nick uh and i think luke finished third maybe the isaiah protected loc 
crazy stuff before rotation. Yeah. Right. Thorn of David. Yeah. Thorn of David, basically. The only evil characters you need, I am convinced, is you need Deceiver, Foreign <laughs> Wives, and Uzza. <laughs> Uzza. <laughs> Yeah. Why would you play anything else? Uh, yeah, like, that guy. But um, in 2021, there was a clear deck that we thought would win. Love at first sight. Josh Potratz hadn't been playing actively until, you know, about a month or so before nationals. He's he's like, I think I I I think I want to play nationals, and he, he throws this deck together, and he shows up not having played the whole tournament season, but just being a quality, you know, veteran player shows up and he overcomes the field and he's able to beat love at first sight and win nationals. And I know that it was a small tournament field, but I don't want to take anything away from the fact that you show up kind of cold to what the meta is and have to learn that inside of a month or whatever for nationals, put it together. And then you go and you, you win. Like, I mean, that, that deserves its credit. Um, but that happened. And then last year we had, and this this one not quite the same level because Jaden was plugged in and he knew what was going on with the meta. But for the most part, like, I felt like Jeremy was going to go and win this thing with Circus. You know, the Widow thing that he was doing. I don't know how, how well you knew what he was playing. But I think you... I think at one point you played against it and you were like, dude, I, I drew my hand and he just won. Yeah. I mentioned that phrase before you were like, I didn't get to play anything. I, I finished the game, not playing a single card because yep. he took all the cards out of your hand and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to nationals with that deck. He has been fine tuning all tournament season. I thought he was going to win with that deck. Uh, I think you probably felt like he had a really good chance to win with that deck. I know that Tyler uh, had talked about it and we thought, uh, he was in on on that, thinking that if Jeremy plays well, that he should be able to win. And Jaden fell back into like a balanced post-exilic deck, and was able to overcome that. And I don't think I don't think people really had a good read on what Jaden might be playing, because I mean, he had played a version of post-exilic with the hand control stuff, like the the Romans and stuff before that on live stream and but I think people thought like because it's Jaden like he's got something up his sleeve and then he, you expect him to show up with something brand new that you don't know what's happening and be able to do well with it and he ended up playing just a, a straight balance deck so this th- that one's not as crazy but like be able to read the meta realize that your best shot is playing kind of anti what the top thing was and then this year Nick Marshall started asking questions a month or two before nationals. I'm sure he, you know, talked to his brothers and, and had an idea of, of what the meta was, but he figured it out through some test games and then just kind of cold going into the tournament. Hadn't played at any other tournaments that I'm aware of um, this season. I didn't check the RNRS to see if, you know, he had played at states or regionals and placed or anything, but basically came in cold. And ends up winning. So it seems like these top-level players have just such a knack for reading the meta and knowing and coming in, even if they've been away from the game for a while. Like, you, you talked about how hard it is to come in and not not be able to play and because you don't know the cards as well and stuff. But you're also a newer player, 
and you haven't gotten to play as much, uh, even in, you know, we've been playing for three, four years now, but you haven't gotten to play as much as some of these other people, uh, even in that time frame. How unique do you think it is for being one of those top-level players and just being able to, it seems like, flip a switch, be able to read the meta and know what you need to do to counter it? Um, well, from from what I remember, like, I go back to when I was really involved last year, I remember the Zerubbabel's Temple stuff or whatever. And I remember Josh in particular saying like, hey, you need 11 ways to a hero. You need like this or that. So I think that the best players have like kind of have cracked the code as far as like deck building. Hey, here's how you build a consistent deck. Here's the amount of counters you need. Here's the kind of like the amount of answers you need for different things. And making sure that you have all those things in your deck. And also being able to read the meta and counter it, basically. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, somebody said that Nick's deck just did a lot of uh, add to battle this year. I could be wrong on that. That's what I feel like they said. Um, and if that's if that's the case, then... I know Josh a- was running add to battle, so I don't know if... I haven't seen... And I haven't talked with Nick or anything, so I don't know exactly what his deck was. But I know that that was a strategy of using, like, a good seed, mm-hmm. add to battle, um, is what uh, Josh was doing. Fishing boat does that too or something? Yeah. Things like that. But, you know, and then, of course, like, Sheol and uh, Gates of Hell. Um, so even if you're defeated, all of a sudden, no, I'm back in battle, and they just played what they thought was going to win and did win, but now they're having to win again. And most people aren't prepared to win twice um, unless you've built your deck to do it. And, you know, that just kind of, it's like if you have a herd out there that's protected, you're tossing, you, you toss him all the way down, all of a sudden he adds another herd to battle and you're right back at it. He's protected. You know, it's like, well, dang, oh, I don't have anything else to toss. <laughs> um, so just stuff like that, I think is, um, I think the, the the best players have an idea about uh, again, the strategy behind deck building and what you want to have in there, and then uh, maybe a, uh, a strategy, a main strategy to try to beat what they will probably be up against. And if you have those things, and you have, and, and you're a good pilot of the deck, then that's why the same players end up at the top year after year. I think. Yeah. So. As the decks change, the same same handful of players. That's why. Like you, you mentioned, and I was talking about how open the field was, and you were like, "Yeah, but the top three from last year were in the top five this year," mm-hmm. and a lot of that's just you know, those 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 are the dudes that like you need to be uh, not necessarily copying exactly their deck because I do think there is a there is a defined um, like player not not just skill but like knowing how what type of player you are like where you find a comfortable range of operation within the game and deck building like Jaden seems to when he plays in tournaments lean a little bit more toward balance and more methodical approach and there's there's people like Nick Marshall I would I would say that his reputation is to be aggressive and try to maximize trying to win the game as fast as possible yeah I, I don't think he had any timeouts yeah, and I think Sorry. if you're talking about add to battle, I mean, that's a really strong strategy if you want to maximize. If I only get three turns, how do I maximize those? I have add to battle, different things like that. 
So I think players that are established, like those veteran players, they not only do they have, you know, kind of a, a code that they follow for building decks. So if Jeremy picks up, I'm going to play, I don't know, he's going to build a Moses Wilderness deck. He probably just boom, 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 can throw eight to ten heroes in there, pick out a couple of enhancements, and I feel like I can, I when I think about the heroes and stuff, I put so much more thought into them, and I feel like he's just so familiar with things and, and the thought process yeah. that he throws it together, and then it's like testing to see if I need to change, and I'm sitting here like theory crafting, like how's this going to work out in the game and trying to make the decision whether I need to play this one or that one, and he just throws it together and sees how it works and then tweaks it from there and things like that, and I, I feel like maybe sometimes newer players put too much thought into it, but it's really cool to see the craft that players that have been around the game for a while. It's really cool because this is a very complex game. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we're we're trying to simplify it, but there's a lot of layers of just ambiguity from the fact that this game has you know, been done by volunteers for a long time and different volunteers have different ideas and the elders have done a really good job uh, working us toward more standardized wording and things, but just the different people that have been involved over the years, the game has a lot of like, there's a lot of areas where it can be confusing and, and just really deep for someone to, you know, step into. But to see the players that have figured that out and can, you know, kind of ebb and flow with the game, even when they're away and they come back and they do really well, I think that's really cool to see. And apparently, if you want to win nationals, you just don't play. If you're one of those type players, you just don't even worry about playing for real until the month before. And then you come back and, hey, you figure it out and there you go. Seems legit. I, I, it wouldn't work for me, <laughs> uh, but it, it it was definitely a fun time at nationals, and I I know that we we've gone pretty long here, so I don't want to uh, keep harping on that. But an interesting bit about timeout is you mentioned today when we talked when you came by the warehouse that there could be potentially like revisiting like the scoring and things, the infrastructure of how tournaments work to maybe persuade games uh, to not be timeouts um so maybe in a future episode that's something that we can cover but i i do think that it'd be interesting to see last year to this year um and then even the year before like as the game is changing and we're making these rules are we getting more timeouts less timeouts or is it about the same across you know the last three years because that introduces rotation the reserve rule are we speeding games up or are we slowing games down and then some of that's just going to come down to players playing slowly because naturally some people, their minds move a little bit slower when they're thinking about lines of play and card interactions. That's just going to be human nature that you can't avoid. But it'd be interesting to see overall for as a community, as a player base at Nationals, what the timeout like percentage of the games uh, would be. We have the so, data. so We have the data. We just need uh, someone to analyze it. But... I think that's enough rambling on about nationals. Um, somehow, you're, you're right. I, somehow, I did come in eighth place. Anybody that finished ninth and beyond, I'm sorry I jumped you. Uh, I probably didn't deserve it with my jank deck, but definitely was fun getting to at least play a deck and, and sticking to 
the deck that I enjoyed playing this tournament season um, that I came up with. And, you know, maybe you guys don't think it's that cool of an idea, but I think it was cool. So I would just like to, as my sign-off message to the people here, at least for this portion of this episode, um, I would like to say that it is okay to play what you enjoy playing. Play the fun deck. You can do okay with the fun deck. Did I think I had a chance to win nationals? Heck no. Did I think I really had a chance to make top eight? Not really. But I played the fun deck and I had a, a decent decent showing. I didn't time out a lot because I was familiar with the deck. And I had fun playing, and that's the important thing. So you can have fun playing in nationals with your fun deck, and you don't have to play the meta deck. So that's that's my sign-off message. And now I will not bring up the fact that I finished eighth anymore. I'm going to retire the title of I finished eighth um, because I don't want to keep rubbing it in Jay's face that I finished ahead of him. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's funny. So you got any sign-off message for the people, Brad? My sign-off message is if I met you, I'm glad I met you. And uh, for those of you that I didn't meet this year, there's always next time. Yeah, and for whoever's buying boxes for people, I mean, it is, it's okay to buy me one too. Uh, wink, wink. <laughs> hey, I'll take as many as you want to give me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will uh, let you go here and we've got some interviews coming up and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. All right, guys, we are here with Mark and Jalissa Valik. How you guys doing? Doing good, John. Thanks. Doing great. Glad to be on. Yeah, it feels good. Uh getting to go home and I, I saw that you guys posted that picture of your church welcoming you back with the sign giving you the red carpet treatment how's it yeah. feel returning a couple of national champs uh, i was more than we uh had ever expected that's that's for sure it feels uh feels pretty incredible i think mm-hmm. it was wasn't it just uh earlier this year we were talking in uh, the lead up to mr classic talking about uh part of the reason to go to mr classic was to help uh I guess, further cement myself within the uh, competitive redemption community and, and to build myself and push myself as a competitive player. So uh, this this is definitely a milestone on that journey. Yeah, kind of cool the the fact that you guys get to be the first husband and wife couple to win. Now, unfortunately, that does come at the fact that me and Jeremy don't get to be repeat champions this year. But I guess I'm okay stepping aside so you guys can have that milestone. That's pretty cool <laughs> getting to not only play with your wife, but then getting to win. And I mean, in our game, I know there was a couple of moves that I know you were talking her through, but she was holding her own in, in some of those regards. And I mean, it, it, it feels so, it feels so bad losing because I wanted to win so much, but I mean, I guess it couldn't have, couldn't have been a couple of nicer people. Right. So I can take solace in that. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, we, we appreciate that. It, it's uh I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of uh, rooting for you to win. I know how much you wanted the uh, the Son of God. But, um, man, it, it, that was pretty incredible. Those were some tough games, and uh, we, we really are thankful for the experience. So talking about some of those games and getting into uh, some of the deep dive of that, you guys had worked pretty well on our – I know that at one point, Mark, you were planning on playing with someone else, so you had been working on this deck idea – and you seem to have, once we played it, me and Jeremy realized how much we were outmatched on like just the strategy of you've got two decks that are cohesive and working together, and we've got two decks we threw together last night at 2 a.m. So <laughs> how, how did the process of, you know, figuring out 
that you wanted to play teams and then going about it and trying to come up with that cohesive I- idea of how to play because it's a it's a different beast to try to tame than like type one or type two. Yeah, it was a really different category. This is the first year we've played um, competitively for, for teams. And we ran states. Uh, we won states. There was one other team there. So that's that's not a whole lot to write home about. But uh, we ran a Sadducee-Pharisee defense in that deck and went with like an aggressive disciples-type offense. And I was wondering if Meek Loss Holes was really the way to go when we stepped up to regionals, because that was going to be a little bit more uh, of a competitive scene. There, again, there's only one team there, but um, it was Emmanuel and uh, John, so much uh, stronger players for teams. And uh, I got myself talked out of the Meek Loss Soul thing that we ran at States, and we went with the more traditional like Philistine defense, the special ability souls, and we got stomped. I think it was like 5-1, to one, so... Uh, that that convinced me that the the first gut of Meek Souls that we ran at states was the way to go, and then the reality of of playing through states and regionals really made me try to think through the the actual strategy of teams. Everybody talks about there only being a couple of rounds, but that that theoretical side of the game feels very different when you're actually sitting down and playing and realizing you've got a deck of 50 cards and you're only going to have two turns with that deck. So we we really kind of redesigned the decks for that format, two turns. The, the decks were built to go for, for two turns, essentially. So Julissa's deck, my deck, were both nearly identical, except for the dominance. Um, her deck ran the Son of God and Second Coming, so her goal was to get to those as fast as humanly possible to make sure that in those two turns we could at least get the the two freebies. And the way that we designed the decks to focus on that that two-turn reality of teams is that the offense would search for as many doms as possible, so I would be trying to go for Woes and Angel of the Lord and some other support cards. She'd be going for Son of God, Second Coming. And we thought the, the best offense to fit that goal was Nativity. They have a bunch of heroes that can grab Nativity Son of God, or they can get you to a different Nativity hero that can do so. And then, of course, you have Annunciation, Resurrection Revealer. So I think Julissa's deck had at least half of her heroes could immediately grab a Dominant. So that that was that was big for us. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of other people were running something similar. Uh, the defense, we were trying to capitalize on that two-turn limit in teams with uh, Soul Hiding. And the idea there was is forcing an opponent to skip a rescue due to soul drought takes away that team's rescue potential by 25%. I mean, each team has four turns total, and if you skip one of them, that that is a huge blow. And then uh, the last goal of our decks was to utilize Peter's Curse. So if Jalissa got to Son of God second coming quick, we'd flip up Peter's Curse and hopefully stop our opponents from getting their big two. And... Uh, also restricts harvest time, obviously. So really, we, we built the decks hoping to win a few games at 2-0 or 2-1. Like, we weren't expecting to win any games at 5 souls. And uh, we were just kind of hoping to not come in last and to see what everyone else played and to learn. And we really we were expecting a learning experience more than anything else. Yeah. The, uh, the Peter's Curse is kind of unique in the fact that it is... I played in my type one deck. I played the cross and Jalissa will tell you about that <laughs> because yeah. it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty detrimental to her flood deck in type one when we played. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. 
But Peter's Curse having that cannot be negated part of it for three turns makes it really tough to interact with, even if you have, you know, a way to negate a card or something that generally would be able to take out a neutral card. So I'm glad we didn't actually see that part of your deck come out on top of it because you guys opened and it's a card that when it was announced uh, or spoiled at first, we all knew how good it was going to be. And then it just kind of, in my mind, I, I have never put it in a deck, but Gifts of the Magi, and you guys opened with double on your first turns, <laughs> and we both have Priest of Zeus down, so you got to bounce our Priest of Zeus, put down your search counter, and it was just like, I mean, we knew we were going to lose, or we knew we weren't getting to a full win when you dropped those two things down. It was a matter of trying to make sure we didn't get a full loss. and. Uh, I think we ended up doing that. I think we lost in time. You guys got to four, right? Or did you get to five on us? I can't remember. No, we, now. we, uh, we won three to two. It was a pretty narrow, uh, victory there. It was, it was a tough game. It was a stressful game. Cause we knew that, uh, I think you guys were probably favored to win having, having done it before. So I, I was, I was kind of put on tilt even before we sat down at the table, to be honest. Well, I wish I could have leaned into that and put you <laughs> further <laughs> uncomfortable, but Man, throwing those decks together, and I'm I'm like I'm getting cards, and I'm trying to figure out how they how they're going to work in the deck itself that I have, and then also how they're going to interact with the board state. And you guys had just a fundamental plan, like even if you were planning on getting timeout wins and whatnot. And I I think that was the coolest thing about our game was seeing that. And then after we played you guys, we were like, okay, so they're on on Soul Hide. And uh, maximizing, you know, Dom rescues and, and trying to interact with Doms as quick as possible. So we thought moving forward, hey, we'll sit down and maybe we can still win because we didn't. I, I remembered uh, thinking that we could, we in our minds, we could still win, even though our game had not been favorable for us. So that makes sense that it was a timeout loss. And then we found out, we heard, because everybody talks after rounds, they're like, they're on soul hide. <laughs> And they're on Soul Hide. And I'm like, did we miss the memo here? Like, we are not on Soul Hide in teams. But it seems like that table's got it. That table's got it. That table's got it. And I was like, dude, I think we missed the boat. <laughs> I think I think we are we are cooked. And then we got to uh we got to play Rob and Dave Smith. And mm, yeah. we sat down with them and that was a crazy fun game. Like it was it was legitimately a crazy fun game. Because we were all like trash talking and misplaying so bad, <laughs> but but Rob does this rescue. He first of all he didn't have to do anything, but he wastes three dominants on a rescue, and he didn't even have to play a single dominant for the rescue if he had just listened to his brother. But he cut him off and started playing dominants, <laughs> and then uh, there was a misplay at the end. They could have got a full win had he realized that I defeated. I technically defeated his Meek Peter when I withdraw him with Philistine Commanders. So he could have used his Matthews Begats to add somebody to the battle to uh, to end up basically just winning right there, just getting over my numbers because I had nothing. But anyway, that game was was one like we ended up losing that game. And so I guess I guess technically we had we had played um, John McAlesian and Justin, I believe in round two. So we had gotten a full win there. Now we were feeling good. Then we got knocked back down 
And then on top of that, we finished that game, and then we heard that you guys had won, and at that point, you're 3-0, and and you're going into that last round. So did you, do you guys feel like you had it in the bag at that point, or were you still pretty nervous going into that last game? We, we were 100% nervous, because we, we knew that uh, Rob and Dave were also undefeated, mm-hmm. so, and we both knew that whoever won that game was going to take the championship. So we had finished up our previous game at a, at a full win. So we had some time before the next round started. So I'm, I'm, you know, furiously texting, uh, you know, my pastor and, and our friends, they were like, you guys, you guys need to pray for this. Like, <laughs> like we, we are stressed out of our minds and, and it's, it, we have, we have a shot of this, not getting anybody's hopes up, but, and then, um, yeah, we were pretty nervous and down at the same time though, we, we saw that our deck was working a lot better than, than I'd actually expected. Mm-hmm especially at that level of uh, competition. So we felt like we had a chance for sure. And we also knew for a fact that, um, I guess I didn't know for a fact, but I strongly suspected that they were not going to run meek souls. And I think that gave us an advantage because they, I don't think that they were going to be uh, ready for that. Uh, to be honest, I, I would have never in a hundred years thought that anyone would have run meek souls and try to hide them in a team's game where two people are drawing and filling up the land of bondage with souls. But we played uh, John and Emmanuel at regionals, and they ran the soul hide defense, and it, like I said, it just stomped us, and that, that's what really convinced me that um, my gut feeling at states to try Meeks was was actually good because they played it well, and and I knew that's what we had, and I figured all we had to do was just squeak by and just not lose. <laughs> that was that was our goal was just to not lose that last game. Yeah, I I kind of felt bad for the fact that you guys sat down against the the Smith brothers, and it was like winner takes all right here, and then you guys ended up beating them, and we got a full win, and because we didn't have any full losses, I guess that ended up being the difference, and so we ended up jumping them for a second, even though they technically beat us in a timeout, but would have been a full loss for us and a full win for them had that Matthew Begats play that I mentioned. That's why I kind of mentioned it because Oof. that ended up being a bit of a a difference in second and third for us. So it was also cool to see. Um, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but tied for third was the Smith brothers, but then also the two younger uh, teenagers from Coos Bay from Chad's play group that had, he had done the fundraiser to get them two nationals and they ended up tying for third. So we had yeah that. Timothy and Daniel. They yeah. they played a fantastic game. Yeah, we didn't get the chance to play them, but but they ended up placing, and then you guys, first husband and wife couple to win. So it was kind of a a, a cool turnout for the category. There was eight teams, I believe, and four of them ended up placing, which was nice. Now the 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 most disappointing thing, and I I don't know if you knew that this was going to happen before we started adding it up there at the end, but because you Mark had won that state, or, uh, yeah, you had won state, and you, I guess, came in second at the regionals, um, you mentioned. You ended up getting enough points to jump me and Jeremy for first place. So I thought even at first, like, oh, well, that's cool. You win, but I'll still get R&RS to get that son of God. And it didn't work out that way. Um, no, rest assured, people, I do have, I did end up getting a copy of the son of God. So we, we are good. <laughs> we are good there. So the collection is all intact. In fact, I've got a playable copy as well. So I am I am all squared away there. But, man, when I realized it was like you beat me twice, you punched me in the gut to beat me <laughs> straight up. Like, we opened. It's first thing. Like, I mean, it's like 9 o'clock in the morning. I didn't, have, I didn't have breakfast. 
we were up late building a deck, and we draw eight, and then you guys drop double gifts of the Magi, and it it's just well, you know it's going to be a long day at that point. But then afterwards, <laughs> I was like, well, I still got R and R S to fall back on, and then no, you beat me there too. So how did that feel getting that, and you guys winning that? So I guess technically you guys ended up walking away with quite a few copies of the Son of God there. You getting the R and R S win and then each of you getting to share first place in the category. Yeah, yeah, that was very surprising. I actually totally forgot about uh R and R S entirely and I was texting um you know, some friends after the event, like after we'd realized that we had won and somebody's like, Oh, well, does that mean you're gonna place an R and R S too? And I was like, Oh my goodness, that 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 was a, a complete additional shock so yeah that that was that was pretty uh pretty incredible uh Jalissa refuses to uh trade her copies of the promos to me for anything though so i i think i'm gonna be stuck at two which which is okay right one playable one uh one for the binder one for the deck that's what i'm talking about you know that's what i've come to realize and i've even got chris on it you know chris is a big collector as well and he's got all of the nats promos and I told him, I was like, man, now I kind of just want to have one copy to play and then one copy to collect. <laughs> and so now he's he's going through and doing that. So as long as you can maintain that, I guess you're doing okay. But yeah, Jalissa, I wouldn't trade trade my copy either. I mean, nope. it's, <laughs> you've already got two. I think we need to uh, have a uh, a bit of a talk about greed if you need three copies. I mean, you already stole one from me in R&RS and then you just... You ripped my heart out with the other one, so I, I think you'll be good with just those two copies. <laughs> yes, I know. But see, unlike you, though, I've only got a, a very small number of the previous year's uh, national promos, so I've got, you know, the past, what, what since 2016 when they started, i got to catch up on all those still. So now I need a third copy, so then i got to trade. I guess that's fair. Uh, good luck finding those 2016s, though. They are, they are few and far between. Yeah. Which is kind of cool that they've been able to u- reuse that artwork. You know, they reprinted it as is. Um, so it looks just like the 2016 and 2020, which was pretty cool to make it more accessible to people. And then I guess they gave Chris the idea and he's like, yeah, what if we just reuse that same artwork, son of God? And then I I don't know if they were already planning on doing that or if because it was the the third time they wanted to do something extra cool and have the text list. But I really, I really like the fact that it looks good as a foil. And that's another thing with these promos is I was a little on the fence and nervous because of how last year's promos turned out, being that they scratched easily and they were kind of off-center and offline. But the printers did a really good job getting better with their craft at that over the last year. And the new ones look fantastic. But having that artwork, I don't know if just because it's something we've done before. They just wanted to blow the roof off and, and go with out an ability on it. But it's such a cool idea. And I really like the fact that it puts all of the focus on that artwork piece because it's really awesome. And I'm glad it's, you know, been used enough times in the game that whether you've got the 2016, the 2020, or now the 2023, there's a lot of chances for people to have a copy of that artwork. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm glad you can actually see the bottom of the, the art piece now, because that really highlights the victory of Christ portrayed in there. It's, it's a really phenomenally, uh, it's a phenomenal card. The foil really makes that pop. Yeah. So I guess I would be, I would be remiss if I did not ask you this question, but after playing multiple rounds, what, what was it? We played four rounds, I believe Yep. for teams. 
and even a small field, you still got four rounds there, and you said it was pretty nervous through each of those, and you sat down, you thought you were on tilt the first one. <laughs> Overall, I'm guessing there was nerves, it was stressful at times, even like you said, you sat down knowing that you had a chance to win that last game and was pretty nervous. But how does the how does the grind of a team's game and a team's tournament, how does that compare to your standard type one that most people are used to? And then is this something that, Obviously, we saw pictures where you guys went and, you know, finished out your vacation and had, had fun hanging out with each other. I think you guys might have went to the, was it the Ark Encounter? Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So maybe you, you can talk about that if you want and just uh, kind of hype that up for people because I, I've never been. And I know that we had hopes of trying to make that work when we went to uh, Kentucky for uh, the state tournament there. But anyway, you guys didn't kill each other afterwards, so... I, I no. guess the uh, the stress of all that, you guys, are you willing to play it again? Or is this kind of like a one-time, like, uh, I, I got my, I dipped my toes in and now I just got to step back? Oh, no, no. We're, we're getting the, uh, we're getting those promos next year, too. That's for sure. Okay. So, right. so add another, <laughs> another trash talking group to the tables. That's right. <laughs> so you, you're talking about the, the grind, uh, the stress, the, the mental taxation that goes into playing teams. and uh, to be honest, we were kind of basing our expectations on last year. Uh, Jalissa wasn't at Nats last year, but I think there were only four teams. Does that sound right for last year's Nationals? I, I think that was right. Yeah, because I think what, um, Israel's Deliverance kind of debuted for the very first time, those those prototype versions of the deck, so everybody's playing that. Yeah. So I was kind of hoping that, you know, maybe there's only going to be four teams this year, so, so Jalissa, all we have to do is just not come in last. We're probably going to come in last, but if we just don't come in last, we're going to place, and that would be awesome. And then, lo and behold, there's there's eight teams, you know, double the the field that I was expecting. And uh, Julissa, why don't you tell tell everybody about the the night before? Because there there was a, I guess the the events leading up to the actual day, uh, really compounded just how uh, stressful and grueling it it kind of ended up being. Yeah. So uh, the night before team. Well, I'm going to say I'm a very sensitive sleeper, and I'm married to a man who snores. And sometimes that can be an unfortunate combination. And uh, the night before teams, about 4.30 a.m., I had not been able to fall asleep yet uh, just due to certain noises that kept me awake. <laughs> but Mark was sleeping well, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, he was sleeping way better than me. <laughs> potentially. Yeah, potentially. Well, you know, 4.30 a.m., I just... You know, I was like, well, the night is shot, and I just kind of had a meltdown. I started, you know, crying. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to be a good team player tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to think. I'm so sleep-deprived. I already felt, you know, pretty horrific. But uh, praise God, I'm married to a wonderful husband who said to me, all right, you know, I'll stay up, and you sleep as much as you can before we have to leave. So I was able to get uh, two hours of sleep. Uh, before it was time to get up and and head to Nats, so it was uh it was a little tricky. I I felt pretty sleep deprived. My brain was not working at its functional peak. But I think like the the adrenaline of the games and things like that, like it was it was nerve wracking. So it kind of like forced my my body and my brain to be able to to function at a pretty normal pace. But it was it was pretty stressful just knowing that I did not get very much sleep the night before so that was rough so the magic word for next year mark is 
connecting rooms. <laughs> connecting rooms. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's something to consider for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and just for the record, I, I you know, I wasn't awake uh, listening to my wife and be like, oh my goodness, will she just be quiet and let me sleep? I, oh, no. I was totally out, so I had yeah. no clue what was going on until... Um, 4.30. Until 4.30 when, when she was very much awake. And um, like, I, like she said, I got up, basically, uh, you know, watched some, some TV on my phone, some headphones, um, snuck into the bathroom and just kind of sat on the hotel bathroom floor, sleeving up our decks and arranging them to the deck lists. And <laughs> and uh, we, we made it work. We were, we were both a bit tired, but uh, she, she played well, and we we made it work as a team. Yeah. There's been a rumor going around that I also snore like crazy. So <laughs> I always tell my wife, well, I've never heard it. So it's never kept me up at exactly. night. Yeah, you don't hear it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you mentioned that you were in the, the hotel bathroom. Was that the only place that you could find good lighting? Because we had the worst lighting in our hotel. And I think we stayed at the same hotel. I saw you get yes. the guys the day that we checked out. So like the, the lamps did not give any so when I mentioned earlier, like 2 a.m. building a deck, and I did that for type one, too. I threw together. I changed what I was going to play last minute and just threw something together from memory. Man, you know better. I know better, but hey, I got eighth place. <laughs> so it didn't didn't do that bad. Although my type one deck was jank, bro. Like I left out Deceiver and another way to the blocks in my reserve. I forgot oh to. I was planning on running like ends of the earth to maximize that off of disciples banding in and it was it was it was a jank deck and somehow i got eighth place so that's that's okay not bad yeah like building those decks it was like dude i can't i can't even tell what brigades are are what because the lamps are awful in this hotel <laughs> so i i i feel like i feel like i had a moment like you did there a frustration maybe that led to you being in the bathroom sleeping up a deck is like there's no light anywhere <laughs> except for at the sink <laughs> yeah, you know, we like I said, we we made it work. It, it was it was good. God was very much sovereign, even over the the difficulty there. And um, you know, we 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 did all right. Jalissa was um, excellent at keeping track of the counters, the triggers. Actually, you know, the the way that we played is probably different than how most other teams play. And from what I've seen, usually when there's uh, an opponent making a rescue attempt, both of the teammates kind of look at each other and they say, you, know, you got a blocker, how confident do you feel? And the way we played was, um, basically I was team captain, if you will, making the majority of the decisions for us, and, and Jalissa kind of followed suit. So if somebody rescued against us, we would... Basically, she would say, "What was you know? What, I asked, what's what's in your hand? What are the specific evil characters that you need evil evil enhancements?" Which gave up, obviously, the the hand knowledge. You know, we couldn't keep her hand secret. But what that allowed us to do was, if I knew exactly what was in her hand, and obviously I knew what was in my hand, we could make the the single best response to that rescue attempt. And when You've only got two rounds. You you can't afford to not make the best possible choice in every situation. So I think what you give up in hand secrecy, I think it more than makes up for in having one person kind of make the decisions for both decks. It's like one one person in a cohesive, focused way being able to work off of two hands, you know, extra resources. Imagine playing type one, two player and having two hands to work off of. 
and then making the best decision based on whichever hand was better suited to that specific situation. So I, I don't know. I don't. Maybe somebody's done that style of playing teams before. We kind of did it out of necessity because uh, Jalissa had never played teams before this. You know, a little some practice games and such, and she had never run a nativity offense before either. So she just felt more comfortable if if I were kind of making the calls for her. And it, I think it just works well as a as a general strategy. I think we'll we're just gonna do that intentionally going forward and i wonder if uh if other people might catch on and, and try that as well definitely seems like a solid strategy if you have one player that has a little bit more experience than the other because that's kind of what happened when we played sean and owen because owen is a newer player and mm-hmm. sean was kind of walking him through and and helping make some of the decisions but there was no uh no um strong deck knowledge of each other per se except for you know the knowledge of putting the decks together right before the category yeah so the, <laughs> it was more like uh tell me everything in your hand and then uh i guess we'll just figure it out after that but you guys more of hey what's in your hand and now you know like the the rest of the deck and and def- different searches and things that you can do off of characters and, and whatnot that's definitely a, a unique way to do it I know some of the old school people that used to play teams, uh, you hear some of the stories of them having their secret language or their, their code words and things. And <laughs> I, I don't think it's, it's already stressful enough. I'm not trying to learn, you know, a new, a new language to, <laughs> to keep apart from somebody or code words that mean things. Uh, I'm just, I'm just here for the promos like you. I saw, <laughs> I saw an easier path to the promos. <laughs> also, I, I stink at sealed deck, so. It makes it easy too. No, I, I hear you. I guess let let me ask you this, and kind of we can get both of your your perspectives because Jalissa hasn't played as much teams as you have, and you've played a little bit more, so we can get both sides of it. But I know that I enjoy teams, even if you, if I knew I was never going to win teams again, I would probably still play it at times, for the fact that. I enjoy four people at the, at the table, like when we played uh, Rob and Dave Smith, and we ended up losing, but it's just like it's so fun because you're, you're kind of trash talking, just throwing it around back and forth. It's more of a you're not as invested to where, like, you lose that game, you're going to walk away and be like, man, you just kind of you just walk away. You just go away, right? <laughs> but I know a lot of people, they've, they've either tried it and it's just not for them. They don't like the... I mentioned the word grind of it earlier, and I think that's kind of a great way to put it is it does take a different mental strain to keep up with it, especially if they're putting you on the clock, which I don't know if you guys got put on the clock, but I got put on the clock a couple of times. Uh, they were watching oh, our yeah. games, and it's just like, all right, bro, I'm, I'm just I'm not as invested to this. I'll pass turn or whatever. But do you think that there is improvement that could be made, and then do you have any just – things that you've observed that you would, if you were making the the changes to improve the format and make it more accessible to people so they didn't come in and have potentially a frustrating experience, what is something that we could clean up? And then do you have an idea of how to clean an area? Like one thing that I would like to do is get rid of like shared fortresses and things like that. So each deck stands on its own and there's no confusing, are we sharing this or are we not? No shared cards. I'm cool with that. That's that's one of the things that I would like to see just to kind of clean up the deck building and understanding the interaction because it's a lot to read when you look at a, a board state that has four players having cards mm. out. 
So do you guys have any observations that you made uh, throughout this event at nationals and, you know, Mark leading up, you played it. So you got any, any areas that you, you think could be touched up? I mean, as a, a non-expert in the field, I, I'm curious to see how the, the game would change if, if we're the better or the worse, if we did away with intro prep phase. And the only reason I say that is the game takes a long time to play. I mean, we're literally talking two turns each player. So most of the time you spend at the table, you're, you're just kind of sitting and reacting, but you're not actively doing a whole lot. And I noticed in some of the intro prep bases uh, on some of the rounds, you know, we'd start the, the game, 20 minutes would go by, and uh, okay, now we're starting our very first turn of the game, or 30 minutes would go by, now we're, now it's round one, and, it, you know, that's, that's a lot of time to eat into the clock without any potential to rescue or move the game along. In fact, all you're doing is setting things up to typically uh, slow each other down, right, put, put up your counters. So that, that might be something to consider. Um, I had fun the way that it currently is. It, it was definitely a, a different experience, and it's it's interesting even when you're being passive, just to have that razor sharp e eagle focus. You know, with making sure that your triggers are always getting triggered. You don't you don't let the person just kind of breeze by and start their next action. Like no 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 hold up I I got a shield trigger here. So you know that that definitely takes. Uh, a lot of focus even when it's not your turn so there is an element of, of being active but yeah i, I mean I'd, I'd be curious to see what the game would look like without uh intro prep phase do you have any any thoughts as a new player babe like anything that surprised you versus type one or uh well i mean i'm not a really experienced player i've only been playing about a year now so the whole you know idea of this team scenario was definitely strange and unique in and of itself i mean i enjoyed it i appreciated that since i was such a, a new player and really had no experience i liked that mark was able to kind of like take the lead on things and i just needed to come beside him and kind of support and catch triggers and such um but yeah i mean like mark was saying the time that it takes especially like with just the intro prep phase it would be interesting to see you know, if that got snipped, how it would affect the way that teams were played. I think that's probably the first one that most people go to is that intro prep because you're spending that time without the chance of advancing the game towards, you know, the soul count getting to five. So it's it's like actions that are a turn, but the turn doesn't actually get you to the win condition. And then you have so many timeouts, which I, I mean, it's thankful if you can come in second place because of timeouts. So. I guess I can't knock it too much, <laughs> but I've, I've had a lot of, of different ways to suggest, uh, and I, you know, I've, I've probably talked Tyler's ear off of things that we could try in teams because I don't want it to end up being like multiplayer and just go away because I think it's really cool, the concept of it. And I'd like to get it to a, a, a more playable form to where it's more casual going and two players that are newer sit down with two players that are more you know veteran players and it's a, a cool way to learn the game and go through interactions there without feeling like you're a new player on an island just getting your you know getting bashed by somebody that's got a, a tune type one deck um, so I think it, it does offer unique ways to play and interact with the game especially for newer players that are learning to you know have 
a voice of, you know, someone that's been around the game a little bit longer, kind of guiding them. And, and those are the aspects of it that I think are, are worth trying to uh, improve on and keep the category alive for other people. But uh, I do also like that when people play it, uh, after you, you've played someone once at teens, the next time you sit down, there's going to be trash talking. I, I don't care who you are. There's going to be a little element of trash talking, and then it gets really fun at that point. So, you know, like, you, you know, we might have taken it easy on you guys this year, but next year sitting down, wherever Nationals is at, you know, I, I mean, going to have to come for revenge. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd certainly be very sad to see teams go away. It's, it's a very fun category it's it's kind of got like you said that that social aspect that uh, multiplayer had except it's not hot garbage like multiplayer <laughs> those might be shots fired for uh for my buddy jeremy <laughs> he is a savant for multiplayer so <laughs> i guess that's that's kind of all i i i had to uh ask and had thought about bringing up i think um as far as the team's category goes but otherwise um, you guys were also there for each day of nationals, and I feel like I feel like nationals is one of those things that I've been three years now, and it's gotten better each year. And I don't know if that's because like um, I'm more excited. I'm getting I, not necessarily better as a player, but more deeper in relationships with different people that I've seen a couple of times. You know, like you see someone once a year at nationals the second time you see them you know them a little bit better the third time so you just keep deepening those relationships and the game comes back to being all about relationships for the most part and I think that's what makes nationals such a awesome experience but just kind of encapsulating the whole event of nationals how did you guys uh enjoy nationals this year well this is Jalissa's first nationals so do you want to you want to go and maybe explain what it was like to uh, see some folks in person. She's been on Discord leading up to Nats, uh, but this was her first time actually uh, engaging with the community at large face-to-face, so I'll, I'll let you take it. Yeah, so um, I was just really impressed kind of hopping off of what you were talking about, the relationships and community. I was just impressed with how friendly everybody was. Like, I immediately felt very comfortable around everybody and I felt real welcomed and people were very encouraging and excited that I was there. And uh, it was definitely really neat to, to see just all the relationships and the friendships. And um, Mark has likened it to a big family reunion. And he's like, it's, it's really fun. Everybody's, you know, we're all great friends and it's like a big family reunion. And when I was able to actually go myself, I was able to, to really see that. Uh, being played out and uh, yeah I'm it was a great experience for me I really enjoyed meeting people it was exciting to be able to meet Jay you know I was learning his flood deck and really uh, have been enjoying learning how to learn how to place ahead of him (laughs) huh learn how to place ahead of him with his own deck (laughs) oh yes I did So, Sorry, yeah, Jay. I mean, I'm not going to talk about that, but it's it's it was just really it was really fantastic to be able to meet him face to face. Too bad I didn't get him to sign my Noah card. We'll have to do that next time. But yeah, it it was a really great experience for me for sure. Yeah, and and in addition to just the the friendly camaraderie of of nationals and and actually being able to see people face to face, I think there's also elements of getting to know people on a on a deeper level. 
So, I mean, one one minor example of that is uh, Mr. Miyota. She, you know, he and Jalissa got to meet face to face for the first time, and you know, it, it was very special. He, he's he's a great guy, and it was fun for for her to meet him in person and for him to to kind of see the seeds he planted over a decade ago in Cortland, New York, uh, grow into uh, a married couple who plays Redemption and lead a play group with uh, some other folks at our church. So it's really it's really special to see how those things grow. And uh, I've certainly been able to connect with other uh, godly men, brothers in the faith, and they've challenged me. We, we've had conversations off of the, the main Redemption Discord, and we're able to spur each other on and, and you know, get deeper in our faith and, and recommend good resources. And it's it's been a very, it's a good, healthy uh, Christian community. If, if that's why you're in redemption for that side of the community, you, you can have that as well. Um, certainly there, there's all manner of people on the spectrum of Christian and, and secular involved in the community, but um, I've been certainly blessed enough to find some very biblically solid men that i've uh i've grown to respect quite a bit through the game yeah and uh in terms of you know just mark and i i wanted to just say that god has used the game to connect mark and i in a special way like it's given us something that we both enjoy uh we can minister in our church together with and it's just been a real blessing for our marriage as well yeah that's awesome to hear and you mentioning Mr. Miyota, it just reminds me of, uh, so kind of the way that you, you mentioned to Jalissa that it's kind of a family reunion environment or feel, that's kind of the general vibe of it. That's kind of what I was told when I was going to my first nationals and uh, it was uh, over in Texas. And so it's a, it's a pretty long drive and I'm, I'm asking constant questions about like what to expect. And we show up the day before early in the morning because I didn't want to be there late. So I wanted to get there in, in the hopes that maybe there, there was people needing a ride from the airport or whatever that we could help with and things of that nature just because I know that a lot of people were flying in and we were going to be one of the few that were driving. So we got there early mm-hmm. and <laughs> the whole family reunion thing, the first thing that I see is this strange man <laughs> come up to me and he's like, Godson, and I'm like, uh, do I do I know you? Do I know you? And he's like, no, but you will. <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> he is a very unique man, and uh, it's it's awesome to to you know be able to hear the story of how something that he did so long ago is still having an impact and bringing you guys together with the game, and that's that's cool. And he is the first person to talk about the seeds growing in to uh to fruit so it's kind of cool to know that he got to experience that seeing you guys at nationals together and then got to see you win on top of that yeah yeah that that was pretty pretty cool so i guess that's that's it for for what i had do you guys have anything you want to share with the community before we before we let you go i mean play teams it's it's a great category you can try different things there's weird little things you can exploit so it, it's it's fun and you don't have to be a, a top tier player. I mean, have, um, have somebody kind of lead the deck if they're a bit stronger and mm-hmm. you, you can have fun. We had a lot of fun with it. Absolutely. Teams is awesome. Everyone should play teams. I think that's a perfect note to leave on. So mm-hmm. play teams and we'll talk to you later. <laughs>
All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. Like I said, this was one to kind of put a bow on the Nationals experience. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to our collective experience there. And hopefully you enjoyed listening to the interview there with Mark and Jalissa Blake. As I mentioned before, we're at least going to have Brian Jones on for an interview later on that we'll just throw at the backside of a future episode as a bonus for you guys. So it won't be part of the main episode for whatever given week. It'll just be a bonus for you guys because I know you like the long episodes. So we'll just do that for you. And we'll be planning on talking about all the new cards coming into the card pool on the next episode. And that will be with me and Brad. And we'll look forward to hanging out with you then. Peace.